XM 105, Sirius 206, the Opie and Anthony channel. The Ron and Fez show starts right now. Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. Bodies. It's the Ron Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Happy National Sandwich Day today. National Sandwich Day. I hope we celebrate it big around here. I don't know. I don't know what surprises are in store, but I'm just excited about it. It's National Sandwich Day. Sounds good. Everything's better. On a roll. They they should just that would that should be fucking just see I'm Madison Avenue all the time. I'm always ready to go. I don't see I don't see anyone doing a better sandwich than Philadelphia. The hoagie to me rocks the whole thing. Now uh I got this thing sent to me today that the city of Philadelphia is doing a marketing campaign to try to downplay the fucking cheesesteak and prop the hoagie up. I couldn't agree more. Wow. I could not agree more. That's going to be fucking tough, because it seems like the rest of the country only cares about the cheesesteak. A lot of it has to do with Monday Night Football. A lot of it has to do with Pats and Geno's. Yeah. You know, fucking Rocky would have ate a hoagie instead of a cheesesteak. People would have known. Cheesesteak's fine food. Don't get me wrong. I love a cheesesteak. They just, once they added the Whiz, fuck you. Seriously, I don't put whiz. I don't put cheese whiz on anything. I always felt that was really weird. But then I was like, but people, people seem to like it. What the, what because, the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, people get a little odd. I'm not going to lie to you about that. People get a little fucking weird. Uh, you got a nice uh, sandwich in your neighborhood over there in the story. That's right. That's uh, Sal Chris and Sal and Chris's Sal Choi and Chris's over in Ditmar's in the story. What are you fucking just rambling about today, Seeger? <laughs> Did you get any rest last night? Couldn't sleep last night. Um, I mentioned, Neither could I. That sucks. It's the worst. Well, you know what? I went to sleep, and then I got up like in the middle of the night, like a fucking, I don't know, like a fucking worry person. I oh, got no. something to worry about that I didn't even know what it was. That's fucked up. Yeah, I know. That's fucked up. Uh, there was juice shooting out of my radiator again. <laughs> Boiling hot juice. Why don't you call that fucking super yours? Wake him up. I don't know. You just need to drain it. He's just weird and Eastern in. European. I don't know if I trust him. Uh, Mark, Mark, your manifest. Hey, Ron, um, I live in the Midwest, and I really don't know what a hoagie is. Mm. Uh, when you get to heaven, you'll eat one, because God will say, here, take a hunk of this. Jeez. Take a nice fucking hunk. Sarcones was the greatest fucking thing ever, though. It is, it's very strong, although, uh, you know, there's a lot of great places. There's this thing, actually, up in Philly now, what they're calling the hoagie finder, where you can just go to this website... And it'll help you find the the nearest hoagie to you, and the best hoagie. Oh. 
That's perfect. You go over to the Interabang, uh, dot com. We'll hook you up with it all. Philly the right way. Not the fucking wrong way, like the tourists do it. I want to see the Liberty Bell. I want to go look at the Liberty Bell. Where are those steps Rocky ran up? Um, the most ridiculous thing that you can do when you go to any town is to follow along with any kind of fucking tour. And almost every city in America now is just a tourist destination. You know, like uh, the guy called from Chicago. When you show up at Chicago in the summertime, everybody's in the same exact spots because they all come from the Midwest. They're all just walking around the same exact spots. You need local people to point your way. You need to do it the right way. Fuck being on tour. It's just, you know, you can you, you can be a tourist or you can be a traveler. What do you want to fucking be in your life? I don't want to be a tourist, Ron. Uh, by the way, Tommy wants to help you out. Tommy in Brooklyn wants to help you out with your radiator. Go ahead, Tommy. Hey, guys. How are you? Listen, Good. that radiator is coming out of your air valve, right? That end, yeah. you need to elevate. That okay. way, it's a gravity uh, system. You know, once that steam uh, cools off, it turns into water. What's happening is the radiator is holding water. Then when the steam comes back, it's pushing out that water. If you elevate it, by where the radiator valve where it's pissing out, you elevate that from underneath, you won't have a problem anymore, and you'll have better heat. Well, that sounds like fucking good advice. Thank you. Yeah, no charge. Shit. And did you, are you going to do any of it? I think they're fucking bolted down. I still think I might still have to involve the fucking... I didn't know radiator was like a tomato-tomato thing, and you could say radiator. Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's fucking not a Rhode Island thing. I just turn mine and I drain the, the water into a bucket and then throw that down the sink. I think you should do that. Turn the valve. I don't know how to fucking drain the goddamn radiator, okay? Because, you know, I think I was just fucking teaching you. Yeah. I don't know. That but no, but your mom went all through them instead of paying attention. I was paying attention. Elevate. I didn't see you jot anything down. I didn't think the main point was elevate. Elevate the, elevate the radiator. And then steam turns the water. You're fucking living like it's Occupy Wall Street in your own apartment. You got a fucking tent in your living room. I wish I had better food. Did you fix that window ever? No, the window's still fucking cracked open. I know that he must be in there with no rent or something. And he's just fucking broken into some <laughs> building. Don't like involving anyone. Uh, by today, uh, this is kind of uh, interesting. If you go over to uh, the uh, Go Play to Cover... Uh, Rob Cross made the scene today. One of Rob Cross's goal plates. It's a cross pick. It is. It's cross down traffic. <laughs> you ever get in this thing with Rob and he'll go like this? Let me get this across to you. Don't get me cross, whatever you do. Like, he thinks he's a supervillain with it yeah. sometime. Rob, I get it. Do yourself a favor. Never cross me. Okay. Get it? Yeah, yeah, your last name's Because cross. I will rob you of your dignity. That's okay, now you're going... You cross me. Yeah, Rob Cross. He's always he's always doing that. It's weird sometimes. It's never weird. I want to get Fez involved in this thing today. Fezzy, what is it? I know Owen I got you upset again today. I, Fez met me out front. It's never a good sign. Really? When Fez is standing out front and I get there. Oh, no. I, he stuck past me that night. No. 
<laughs> yeah, he was down on the on the first level, scratching at his hands. Those hands are just in awful shape now. They're really yeah. bad, Fez. They're a little messy. He uh, is scratching himself until he bleeds, and then I guess from your blood thinners, you uh, you heal like a ninety-year-old woman. Oh. So it really looks all. You ever see like an old woman who fell and like bust her knees up, and it'll just stay that ugly kind of scabby? Yeah. I mean, it's just all fucked up. But normally, I don't see old ladies like trying to hurt themselves. Where Fez, you know how they have the cutters? Fez has become a scratcher. Fuck. And I think what I'm going to have to do is tape oven mitts to his hands. We could do that. See, I feel like I let this happen because I didn't want to call him out when I saw him scratching his hands when he would sit here. Because, you know, I get in trouble for that, calling him out on stuff. But now it's gotten to this point, and they look really bad. You know, you might be the worst caretaker I've ever I met know. in my life. I know. I don't know what to do. I know what I need. I need large black orderlies to follow him around. Make sure he's not doing stuff. All right, I'll see if we can get some. You like being at this point, Fez, where the people that you know just talk about you while you're sitting there? That again takes you back to the elderly. What are you doing about his hands, Mark? God damn it. Well, I know back in the war he had very strong hands. That doesn't even make sense. I figure because he's elderly he was in the war. What war? The war. The Great War. Yeah, it was uh, today it just... Opie and Anthony talking about the Judge Beating video. Is that that guy's name, Judge Beating? It should be. That's a fucking perfect name. He's a superhero, too. You're a Judge Beatings. He actually seems like he's Dan Aykroyd in that crazy fucking Judge movie that he was in where he was Humpty Hump. Oh, fuck yeah. Where Humpty Hump came in there and they acted like... New Jersey, for some reason in this movie, was filled with old coal mines. And mutants. Yeah, I don't even know if there is a coal mine in New Jersey. What the fuck? you got to go over, like, center of uh, the state of Pennsylvania before you hit a coal mine. Yeah, that movie was totally insane. Nothing but trouble. Um, here's Matt from Jersey. He's got an idea for Fez. Hey, man, I got some anxiety issues. When I got back from Iraq, it was all twisted up in the head. But instead of uh, scratching your skin till it bleeds, what I do is I take tweezers and I pluck all the hairs off my arm, um, which is weird still, but a little less painful. Take care, guys. Now, hold on. I want to talk to you for a second, Matt. Oh, he's gone. I need to talk to veterans later on today. I don't want to open up the show with it, but I've saw some alarming stuff about our veterans. Oh, Jesus Christ. In America, I'll just tell you this. You turn your blind eye. That's what you do, Big Eagle. You turn your blind eye. Big E. Big E. Anyway, let's get back to your problem, Scratchy. What happened? Well, O and A were talking about the judge video of him beating his daughter that's, um, that you can see on the enterobank.com. And... Brought, Anthony brought up the fact that we were looking at this yesterday and how upset I got about it. Like, that is a bad thing for a person to get upset watching this horrible, horrible video. Right. And then, you know, Opie was like, but oh, you got, you got to be kidding me. Why would he get upset about this? It's not him. And you got a little, let's be honest about this, you got a little nutty about it. And at one point, you were screaming like it was happening in the present tense. And what I tried to explain to you, not only did this little girl survive, but she's gone on, she's put it on the Internet, and she's wrecking the guy's career 
to me, she's taking control of her life, control of her destiny. I'm a big fan of hers. Probably she waited so long, but at least it got done. Maybe she had to wait until she got you know financially away from the guy. I don't know. And then they, uh, you know, the the ONA show watched the video. And Opie even said the three of them were taken back. They got shut down by it, by how graphic it was. So, like, I'm some sort of nut. Well, no, let's to go back and say that. I didn't like seeing that video yesterday. Hicks was moved by it. And Zito did his normal thing, is he puts his hoodie up over his head. Yeah. He puts his hoodie up over his head as if it's a safe place. Makes me invisible, Ron. He did that. I saw him do it during the video. Yeah, and he moves his face up like that. And also, uh, he did it when uh, Jennifer was in here uh, screeching the other day. He just immediately oh, yeah. put the hoodie over his head. <laughs> started rocking back and forth. He's about to fucking rob a bodega. Yeah. Just, I can't, if I can't see them, they so can't see me. you're upset with them, Fez? Well, I just think, it's, I don't think it's necessary to point out that I was upset in particular by this, because... Like you said, everybody was disturbed by it. But you, you, well, here's the thing that, that you did yesterday I was trying to point out to you. That you kind of turned it against all of America and blamed all parents for it. And it just got a little, you were screeching. And we were all understanding it was an uncomfortable video to see. Uh, but at least it's out there. At least people are finding out about it. But if you watch... The end of the video, which we didn't do on the air yesterday, to me is like the most interesting part of it because when it's over, go ahead and, and put this up. Um, and they're telling her she can't sleep in her room because yeah. after a beating, you have to go sleep on the couch. Yeah. Um, but go ahead and put this up, Hicks. On my couch in, in Allison's room, get a blanket and go down there. How am I going to wake up? I have an alarm down there. Get your blanket and go down there. So she's told now that she can't uh, stay in the room anymore. And where it ends is her getting up off the bed and going over and turning off the video camera. And it's very Sixth Sense. You know what I mean? It's very much like the little girl in Sixth Sense who knew that something was going wrong videotaped it. It actually makes me wonder if that's where she came up with the idea from after seeing this film in 1999 saying to herself, someday I'll videotape my abuse and get it out there. It is fucking creepy. And this judge is fucked now. And what's kind of weird too is I wonder how many of his cases are going to be fucked up. Oh, f people are getting out on this. <clears throat> Every fuck, any anyone he put away that had a decent lawyer is fucking getting an appeal. He's admitted to being the the guy in the video doing the beating, but is still. And I don't even think this is any sort of political ploy to keep his judgeship. He's saying, "Oh no, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just disciplining my daughter. She's upset now because I was taking a car away from her." So, again, it's her fault. Well, I, this guy is obviously fucking insane, dude. Mm -hmm. And I'm just pointing that out to you, that we all understand that this fucking person is insane. He's insane. And the state is going to fucking step in. There's no fucking doubt about it. He's done. He's going to live his life fucking staring at the bottom of a tequila fucking bottle. Screaming how cunts ruined him.
He's going to be one of those guys. And technology. And computer games. Goddamn computer games. So I I just didn't think I was the nut in this case. We all agreed with you, but if you go back and listen to the show yesterday, you were screeching out about a lot of other things rather than, you know, you said uh, a lot of parents do this and corporal punishment, you pulled it all together. You actually started having people defend this fucking lunatic because you make it that pattern. And finally you said you blamed it on Chick-fil-A because uh, they're anti-gay. Um, let's go over to our friend Queen Elizabeth. Hey, Ron. First responder. Hey, how you doing? Um, I listened to the show this morning, uh, Fezzi, and they retracted after they watched the whole video. They See, there they you go, Fez. You should have listened to it they, all. They said they couldn't blame Fez for getting upset because it was very disturbing. And Fez, believe me, I was sitting here fuming with you listening to it because it was so disgusting. So they, they at first they were kind of like, you know... You know, busting your balls a little bit. But well, they, acting like I was sobbing over this thing, yeah, where I, I was pissed. No, did you listen to the end of it to hear that they said, "Oh my God, that was"? No, I did yeah. not. I, I listened to the end, and they they said they couldn't blame Fezzi, and they they were all I like they were astounded about how bad this was, and they did agree with you, Fez. So I don't think I think maybe they started off, you know. Now who's got a little egg on his face? Well, I guess that would be me. But, I mean, to even start it out with me. Like I was like I was having some sort of uh, nervous, sobbing breakdown. And then they said, now that I see it, you never get the whole picture. You get the one part of it, and you, get, and you just get a little crazy. And then you start to scratch at yourself. Let's see the hands. Oh. Yeah. Does anybody got a camera? I got a camera. I want to just get the picture of Fez's hands. I want to get that put up before the authorities think that I had something to do with it. Like when he's bad, I scratch him with a pen. Playing too many computer games. Put your delicate hands together, side by side. Closer together. Yeah, that's it, like a little prayer. And just say to yourself, Dear God, make me a little birdie so I can fly away. Make me a little birdie so I can fly away. Those... And you know, then you wear that fucking hospital bracelet. And you just look like a fucking lunatic. And you're just scraping them with your own hands. Oh, yeah, I'm not using anything. I'm not, like... Taking a knife to myself. This Fez. is just this is just me scratching. The fact that you even have to say, as an uh, as uh, an adult person, uh, I'm not taking a knife to myself is frightening. Hicks, get me the big belt. Okay. Do not get the big belt. I got it. There's no need for edit. That is Boy, a big belt. You take that off quick, though. <laughs> you take that off like maybe you and your chick has got some weird shit going. No, no, no. I just, you know, I'm quick with a belt, that's all. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> You're like a fucking southern sheriff. 
Uh, Justin, you're my Fez. Hey, how you doing, guys? What's up? Uh, Fez, I didn't even see this video yet. All I did was hear it on ONA this morning. And you're not alone, man. It's, I mean, I know how they started out beating on you. But even by the end, they turned and were like... He, Fez doesn't you know. listen to the end before he fucking turns in the report. He's a headline guy. Like he is with most yeah. news stories, you're just going to get the headlines. That video is up on the com, And if you think it sounds bad, to fucking view it is horrific. Make sure you put your hoodie up. And there's no getting used to it. It's not like, oh, I've seen this again, and or it's, saw it on quite, the news. Quite frankly, I didn't spend enough time to see if I could get used to it. Maybe if I would have watched it about eight, ten times. Seeing it once was plenty for me. Let's watch it on loop. All right, a lot of people are saying, uh, writing in Fez, they side it with you. What is wrong? How do you not make it to the end? Well, I just you, didn't want to hear it anymore. There's a new kid in town. I don't want to hear it. Um, John, in Virginia. Hey, I got some advice for Fezzy here. Um, I'm bipolar, and uh, I had some tough, rough, rough times myself, and my therapist told me to take something like a marble or a small rock and just kind of roll it around in your hand or take a uh, rubber band and just flip it around your finger, you know, just something to, you know, keep your hands busy, you know, so Fezzy wouldn't scratch himself, and maybe that'll keep his hands busy, you know, to where he's not harming himself. I am going to just duct tape um, oven mitts to him. Uh, well, that's cool, too. Well, the worst part is, once it opens up and starts to scab over, then it just itches even more. All right, this really annoys me. Carter writes in, I heard Philly has great sandwiches, but I'm not risking a battery to the head for a sub. What is it about people? You grow up in New York, and then you're afraid of Philly? It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand buddy. these people that are afraid of other cities. Doesn't make sense. Like, oh, I would never go there. Once I heard a story, someone took a battery in the back of the head. That was at a fucking ball game. Unless you're playing uh, left field, you are going to be safe. Or, of course, if a flash mob comes uh, upon you, then just simply run like an antelope when the lions have shown up. That's all. Or participate in the flash mob. Just act like you're part of it. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Just start yelling, yay, flash mob. Yeah, let's do it, yeah. I'm a white guy in a flash mob. <laughs> yeah, just start knocking over fucking shit in the store with people. I'm with you. Come on, let's rob scam. Facebook is so fucking great. <laughs> Always be on the side of the mob. Um, Mike, you're on my face. Hey, guys. Uh, I really wasn't that surprised by the uh, video. In the South, I don't think it's all that uncommon. And uh, I hear parents talking about all the time how they tan their hides, their kids' hides with belts. And I always thought it was weird, but... What state do you live in? Florida. Oh. Hey, the, if she hadn't got it on the video, I think it goes on every day. She just happened to get it on video. Florida. Ah. Oh. Seth, you're on the show. Seth. Once, twice. Hey, I'm here. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, I was uh, listening to Carrie Fisher this morning. She's got a new book out, and it's about 
It's called ECT, where she did some electroshock therapy. Yeah. It really helped her. But she actually has gone under where they anesthetize you. You don't even know it, and they so it keeps you from seizing up so bad. Still, I'd rather I'd rather experience because I've heard from some people that you it's a very strange trip to get out there. Like your body is doing all this crazy shit; it looks scary to see, but your mind is like floating and tripping and having fun. Yeah, from shock well, therapy. That sounds like a great time. I want to do some now. Yeah, I kind of went to also. Well, get some tasers or something. Fez, has your uh, shrink ever brought up shock therapy for you? That's never come up. You none of my shrinks. Now. I'm just going to ask Zietz this, since he's your caretaker. How long ago did Watley tell us he was going to get a new shrink? Oh, gee, uh, it's got to be at least, at least eight months. And then there's never been any attempt. And then if we bring up his shrink, he always says the shrink doesn't do anything and I'm um, being ripped off. I hate that guy. and I never even met him. We don't know, though. We don't know. I mean, if Fez doesn't listen to us, he's probably not listening to the shrink. I don't think the shrink is telling him to scratch himself. That would be very poor advice. Unless you're itchy. I also think, and I know I might be reaching here, but it might be Tyler Durden, the shrink. Like, oh my it's God. just Fez sitting on a fucking couch thinking that someone is talking to him. I would see it much more as a beautiful mind situation. Where he's like got this office with like a bunch of photos of. Oh, I'd have to be able to do math for that. Well, yeah, I mean, but your version of math. Yeah, like a special math you created in the Beautiful Mind situation. Yeah, just fucking two plus two is up there. <laughs> Anything past that, you get nervous. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happens, Mike. You're running Fez. Hey, Ronnie. If Fez doesn't start using his. Uh Cat scratching posts. We're gonna have to decline. By the way, I'm a uh, veteran of Call of Duty. You know what? It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun making jokes. Till you read the fucking headlines today. Awful, awful. What happens in this country? But uh, I don't want to get into the advice show. The advice show. But it's like watching a canoe go over the waterfall. No, I hope it's and then to see the, the guy in the canoe paddling as fast as he can towards the waterfall Wait, while screaming, I don't want to go over this waterfall. Fucking shit, that's crazy shit. We might want to get him a scratching post, though. That's or a whipping post. I prefer the whipping post, jamming out a little bit. Tied to the scratching post. Cookie, 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 kiss. Uh, let's go over here to John, our buddy John and Mess. Yeah, when dogs won't stop scratching their heads, they put a lampshade over their head for a couple of days. What about trying that out? I don't know if that's even a lampshade. It just appears like one. Well, we kind of did that when we had them wear a hat. How's the scalp looking? There's a, there's a couple of bad spots on the scalp. There's a few bad spots. And you won't go get your hair cut now because you think that the guy's going to say something? Right, yeah. I'm, like, embarrassed to go sit in a barber's chair because but my scalp... But not embarrassed to sit in front of us. You got to get that haircut. And why don't you at least get rid of your nails, then? 
Yeah, they grow so fast. What? <laughs> it's like I clip them and they're right back. The advice show. Nothing works. <laughs> it never will. All right, it's the Ron and Fez show. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, by the way, I'm just saying this. X Factor is better than the Beatles what? and the Godfather. It is the nuttiest show in the history of fucking TV. I haven't seen it yet, but you never saw a show like this. They bring out these people singing. They're on this giant stage that has had more fucking lights going back and forth in every which direction, and you can't even see the little person singing. The it's fuck? the best fucking TV ever. Sounds like an awesome light show. It's so great of a show that Simon is like the nice, positive person. He's completely flipped the script. He's not a dick anymore? No, just the opposite. He's like, I believe... Five fucking guys come out, and they're doing, you know... Uh, Kind of a new kids on the block, Bobby Brown thing, right? Just five young black kids. And he goes like this. I believe that this is one of the best bands in the world. And this is five singers. No one has as much as a fucking, um, fucking tambourine. Cowbell and he called them one of the two or three best bands in the whole world. And literally every person was told that. And in the meantime, you can't tell because there's lights flashing and there's these giant screens with Simon and Paula's faces on it. It's fucking amazing TV. That really sounds fucking crazy. I wish they wouldn't call it X Factor. I wish they would just call it the end times. It's not just, so it's not just single singers. They have groups and shit on. Oh, groups over 30s. It's so fucking drunk. He's over 30. He's a fucking category. <laughs> Come on. This guy's over the hill, but I guess you can vote for him. Uh, Jake, you're on Fez. Hey, good morning. Um, I don't want to drop a bomb there on Knee Jerk Watley, but you might want to check his tweet. He just uh, tweeted a little message there to Fezzy. Oh, nice. Let's see. Yeah. I can't wait. This is, uh, this is what it says. <sighs> Tell Fez to fuck off. I said I didn't blame him after I saw the video. Enough already. The fuck off and the enough already were in capital letters. I think he's just shit stirring. I think he loves Fez. I think the puppet master's at it again. This big shit stirring spoon. I mean, I can use a small one. I guess. Um, let's go over here to uh, Tim. Tim, you're on Fez. Uh, yeah, I want to call in for the advice show. Yeah. Fuzzy, uh, don't waste too much time, like, making love to the head of it. You just want to grab it by the base and then go up and down as fast as you can. All right, that's just disgusting. Uh, Jack, you're on Fez. Hey, uh, good morning, boys. Yeah. Hey, I, I was just curious. I, I haven't been listening a long time, but just in the short time I've been listening, um, have I was wondering, have... Have they named anything after... All right, you know what? Let's not start Fez, because he's crying. You all right, buddy? I... I wasn't the one who brought up my name this morning, so I don't know why I'm getting told to fuck off. Maybe it's just like in a Pretender song. Precious. Man, I, he's probably just joking with you. You know he likes you. Well, Shafez. I like him too. 
But when you say fuck off enough already, I didn't bring it up this morning. You know what's fun about you, Fez, that you can always jostle back and forth with people. I like the way you cross the street, cause you're... That's it. Moving through the Cleveland heat house. Here's uh, Joe. Joe, you're on my face. Oh, he's gone. Uh, George, you're on my face. Hey, boys, how you doing? Hey, Ronnie, I'm serious. Y'all have done a couple of shows uh, with hypnotists, right? Mm-hmm. You ever taken uh, Fez back to his early days, like pre-birth? Maybe do a little past life regression, get to the root of all this? <laughs> well, see, I wouldn't do that with a fucking party hypnotist. No, I uh, you know, if it's a psychologist. Does this for a living. Um, have you ever done it before? No, but I've read about it, and I seriously do believe in reincarnation. What did, what did you read? Many lives, many masters. Uh, that and a few other things. I mean, I believe that could be explaining these uh, kid prodigies that can play violin at four years old, speak three different languages. Some people just have talent. Well, yeah, but not at four years old. All right, so how does that explain all the other four-year-old kids who are sitting around and have their own piss? Uh, it doesn't, but it, it explains why some people were pretty messed up from birth. Explains what I want to believe. Some serious trauma. See, I've done the past life regression stuff. How was it? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> cool. What, what, what kind of past lives do you have? It's kind of personal, isn't it? I guess so, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I mean, like with a lot of hypnosis stuff, I think you're just kind of making it up as you go along. I didn't, you know... I mean, it's an interesting story, but it would have to be done on a day that we just really wanted to talk about it. But I don't make the leap just because you can do... It's like if something comes to you in a meditation, you don't naturally feel like, okay, then that's real. And some people will. Just like some people, when I went and prayed and God told me to, yeah, and then they believe it, you know? Now, I do think that you could fucking meditate on something and an idea would come to you, but you have no idea if that's, you know... I don't know how you can start saying that that came from anywhere else but you. Um, still upset, Fez? Yeah. Um, here's Keith. Keith, you're on Fez. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, hey, hey Ronnie B., Fez. Opie shows you nothing but love all the time. Every station you've gone back and forth from, the guy brings you guys along, and he enjoys your company. It's called sarcasm. And if you can't hang with it, then, then you really should just just get out of radio. Keith, Ronnie, B takes it, Ronnie B takes it, no problem, and gives it back. Keith, you just sit there and take it. Keith, what, uh, how are you helping with this? How are you uh, helping? It's not a matter of helping. you, you, you got to shit or get off the pot, son. He's shitting off the pot. That's what he's doing. No, he's, he's shitting taking, his pants. Yeah, well, that's still not, but it's not on the pot. Well, I, I'm with Opie, so fuck him. So this is your... your, your so your, then it was, uh, first he says it's a joke. Just go with it. Why are you, listening? Like, Why are you listening to him? Why are you listening? Don't. I can't help it. You ought to break your uh, movie thing this weekend. Tower Heist is coming out. 
Come on, do it. Try to take that tower. I wonder if they're going to win. I wonder if they're going to beat whoever they're after and heist their tower. They're going to get that tower. I think it's Alan Alda. It is. Is the bad guy. Uh, and he's playing Hawkeye Pierce after all these years. What? Hawkeye went on to have a nice life for himself. Well, why wouldn't he? That's crazy. So that Ponzi scheme came down. What are you going to do? Um, here's Blackheart. You're in my face. Hey, Ronnie. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, I was just saying, you know, the offer still stands. Fez doesn't have to worry about all stuff. A couple grand a week can take care of all the problems. Um, Blackheart, I don't want you feeling like that you can murder people that Fez is upset with because then you would have murdered his entire family, his entire show. All the people in his building. The hell of a fucking laundry list of people. That's a fucking big He'd be cash. like fucking Gaddafi. <laughs> <laughs> and he's almost ready to start wearing crazy wigs. He has before. And come back. <clears throat> um, let's go over here to... Uh, Ethan, you're my Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, first of all, the guy that told Fez to get off the radio needs to go fuck himself. Um, second of all... Can't. Fe Fe Fezzy, um, wh why are you scratching again, buddy? It's like a nervous habit, and I get very itchy. Like right now, my scalp, I would love to just tear into it. Just it, go ahead. Let, we'll watch well, you, you know, go. Uh, Let's just see what uh, you do. It'll feel good. A few years ago, I was, um, I went to, a like a clinic for depression, and there were a lot of guys in there who would scratch because they were afraid to cut. Sort of like the, the, the pussy's version of cutting. Alright, so that's not helping by calling him a, uh, cutter pussy. <laughs> well, um, I'm not gonna help him by lying to him. Well, we like to. Jeff, you're on Hey guys, I think I got something that will cheer us all up. Let's play Fezzy's wonderful cover of Justin Bieber's song, Baby Oh. Baby, 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 oh. Baby, baby, oh. <laughs> so uncomfortable. I do feel a little better, though. I'll see, though. I wish I had a hood I could put over my head. I'm wearing a t shirt. Tower heist. They shot some of that in Astoria, I believe. So I saw him shooting it right up the street here. Where did they shoot in Astoria? I think it was... B-roll? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming into the city from here. <clears throat> well, here's the fucking funny thing about it. This is the first time in maybe 20 years you see them pushing this as an Eddie Murphy film. Now, don't get me wrong. Eddie Murphy's had a lot of hits. But it's not what you call an Eddie Murphy movie. To me, the Eddie Murphy movies are from the 80s. Trading Places, uh, Beverly Hills Cops, Coming to America, 48 Hours, Coming to America. Those were the time uh, for the Eddie Murphy movies. And that was like his first five movies. That's just ridiculous amount of hits. Well, Crazy. I'll, I'll, fucking, I'll give you this thing on Eddie Murphy, because the young people don't know this. In the 1980s, Murphy joins Saturday Night Live. He's 19 years old. 
Now, 19 isn't even old enough to be our fucking intern, right? <laughs> 19, in the next couple of years, so all in his early 20s, he becomes... Uh, like kind of the number one TV star because he owned that show. I mean, it was Eddie Murphy and no one else. To be honest, when he was on that show, it was the Eddie Murphy show. Then he becomes the biggest movie star in the country. And while he's doing that, he becomes the biggest stand-up comedian in the country. He was a stand-up comic who toured only, you know, fucking stadiums, basketball arenas can't imagine that that's just so fucking ridiculously huge and people were going crazy i remember when he came out on stage right and there would be like 10 12,000 people whatever it is to sell out one of those stadiums and basically they would do a thing where it was uh, a screen and then they would backlit him and he was just standing there so you just saw eddie murphy's shadow this is a stand-up coming out right and it was fucking, it would have been like a Michael Jackson thing. And then this fucking, everybody would explode, and then he would come out and do uh, stand-up. Fucking crazy. It was bigger than life. And yet, um, I don't understand why he kind of turned his back on that being kind of Eddie Murphy and became this... Dr. Doolittle, Eddie Murphy. I get started with Night Professor. I, that was, that was, seemed to be the first one of those movies. I don't the, know. The thing he did before that was Beverly Hills Cop 3. Um, yeah, well, that was kind of a flop, too. I mean, I, well, I, I don't even think I've seen that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, when he started to do The Family and like, The Clumps and all that. And all those money, movies make a lot of money, too. Don't get me wrong. He became, like, uh, a family movie star. But before that, it's like when you see Die Hard, that was Bruce Willis trying to make an Eddie Murphy movie. You know what I mean? Like, Bruce Willis was not as big as Eddie Murphy. And mood lighting before And that. when you see, like, the Mel Gibson ones, whatever, that that was those guys making, like, an Eddie Murphy movie. It's the fucking buddy cop shit. It's crazy. Like, I don't think anybody was doing the I'm going to be funny in an action movie thing before Eddie Murphy. Like, 48 Hours was the beginning of that. They would just, like, be in an action movie before that. Um, let's go over to um, Brian. Brian, you're on my fence. Yeah, it was all... He lost his swagger after that transsexual scandal, and he decided to do safe movies after that. You know, I don't know about any of that, because... Uh, it certainly didn't stick to him, and you wouldn't think you'd be able to have family films. I fucking forgot that even happened before this yeah. guy brought it up. So, you fuck it. it that's, uh... Yeah, who gives a shit? Jimmy's able to fucking make a career after, you know? Yeah. I don't see, uh, I don't think anybody was judging. If you go out and, and <clears throat> do those type of movies, the stuff that you do best... I do think people are, are looking forward to this for that for that reason. Fuck yeah. Um, but I cannot begin to uh, tell you just how big Eddie Murphy was in the 80s. I mean, I don't think we have anybody we can compare it to. I don't think there's a movie star that had that kind of hit. A friend of mine was traveling around with Eddie Murphy. He actually, he was a stand-up, uh, kind of became uh, friends with Eddie, 
and uh, kind of sold him a couple script ideas that never got done. But he went to, and this is during the 80s, and he goes, let's go to the Bahamas, right? So they get in this, you know, private plane, and he just he had like an entourage before rappers had entourages, right? Uh-huh. So he was always traveling around with a group of guys, and they land there in the Bahamas, and he goes immediately like the Bahamas went crazy, and every movie, I mean, TV channel was like Eddie is in the just Bahamas, on them and all shit. the newspapers front page, Eddie Murphy comes to the Bahamas, and. It was, it was just gigantic. It's like wherever he went like that, it was just giant news. Um, let's go over here to um, Tom. Tom, you're on my face. Ron, don't you think uh, Eddie Murphy just walked away from the hard work of doing stand-up, you know, polishing uh, an act, uh, and went instead to the relative ease of... Uh you know, making scripted movies where you just have to report to work and you're... Yeah, but it's it's the type of things that you decide to do. I mean, Steve Martin dropped doing stand-up, but people th- still think of him as a comic. Albert Brooks stopped doing stand-up. People still think of him as a comic. Robin Williams only does stand-up every, you know, like once a decade or so. So, I mean, nobody expected him to continue, you know, like to work Vegas and shit like that when he didn't want to or need to. But the fact is the, that he stopped doing the 48 hours trading places uh, type movies, you know. The Shrek mo- I mean, I think that you would have been able to do the Shrek movies and still go back and do... I mean, he's able to do Tower Heist, and he's got people uh, talking about him. Um, we might have a, a number on, on Brett Ratner who we'll try to get a hold of. And ask him about it a little bit. I'll try to grab him. Um, Stoney, I'm running Fez. Yo. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Oh, sorry, guys. Broke up there. You know, I think Eddie just grew up. You know, he had kids. He got away from all the coke and everything back in the 80s. He never did coke. He yeah, never he fucking did. did coke. That's awesome. I mean, that's not only did he not do coke, he, d- he never smoked a joint, and I don't think he ever really drank. Or is that Will Ferrell I was thinking of? See, that's the thing. Like, just because people think that that was the time period, um, <coughs> then that's what it should all be about. I don't see that happening that way at all. I don't think there was ever that going on. Um, and those movies were beyond big. I remember, like, when he did um, the Beverly Hills Cop 2. Which everybody knew was just going to be him signing back up again. People were fucking like dressing like him and going. It was like Transformers, but he was the Transformer. That's fucking crazy. And it just seemed like he walked away from a lot of that, you know, on purpose. Like maybe it just got too big and too weird and like, yeah, I don't want to keep doing the same shit over and over. Um, But I can't begin to tell you just how gigantic... Uh, he was. Um, let's go over here, Mikey boy. Hey guys, um, what you kind of remember too is that after he did all these these movies, these big hits in the beginning, he had this lull period where he had a bunch of bombs. Like um, looking at his IMDb, he had uh, uh, Harlem Nights, Another Forty Eight Hours, which wasn't big, Boomerang, Distinguished Gentleman. Uh, right, but, but, but let's go back to those. Those movies weren't like Eddie Murphy movies. He was trying to change his character. Into, 
I don't know, Cary Grant or something, you know what I mean? Like, he did, like, Distinguished Gentleman and Boomerang. Those things were just him kind of relaxing and trying to be attractive and um, living in this kind of... It was like these weird kind of fantasy um, black films where, like, everybody was rich and black and doing very well for themselves. Where before that, he was like the street guy. But he also like he went. Then he went back to the, those weren't working. He went back to the well with like some of the sequels to the big properties, like Beverly Hills Cop Three, and that wasn't good. And, and um, the Forty Eight Hours he went back to, and that wasn't a hit either. And and if you remember the whole thing with uh, he had that feud with David Spade, and it came because it was his career was in like a real kind of free fall. And uh, Spade made some comment on Saturday Night Live about you know uh, he did this Hollywood minute and said look 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 uh, a falling star. And it was like Eddie picture of Eddie Murphy, and that's you know, Eddie Murphy. One of the reasons he. Apparently won't go back on Saturday Night Live is because of that. So I mean, it was really, and I think what really after this point, he's you know, his the old stuff isn't working, the new stuff isn't working, and then the clumps just blew up. And I think that was just where he took his career because that was what was finally working. I don't know. I kind of feel like he could, you know, despite the fact that maybe it wasn't hitting as much, he certainly wasn't working with the same kind of people that he was early on. I mean, I don't even know who did the Beverly Hills Cop 3, but that one seemed like it was dashed together at the last minute. Yeah. I know I haven't even seen the whole movie yet. No, I've never seen it. Uh, and I, I still think the first 48 hours is like a great fucking movie. That's you know awesome. what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. it seriously stands as a great, great movie. Um, we might have Brett Ratner in a couple minutes. We're just going to try to get him on the phone. And ask him about this because I think it's kind of uh, I think it's absolutely uh, time, absolutely time for uh, Murphy to go back and doing these kind of films. I'm actually uh, you know happy for him. It's exciting. Yeah, and for me, I think that the audience has always still been there for Eddie Murphy. Like I think people have been waiting for Eddie Murphy to do this uh, kind of film for a long, long time. And again, I cannot tell you, in the 80s, what it was like to go to these movies where you would see people actually dressing like Eddie Murphy to show up. All right, we got uh, Brett Ratner on the phone, uh, Tower Heist. Uh, he uh, is coming out with Ben Stiller and Eddie Murphy. Coming out tomorrow, uh, towerheist.net to check it out. Here's Brett Ratner. Hey, Brett, how are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. You know, we were just talking about Eddie Murphy in the 1980s, and I don't think there was any star that was as big as as, as he had Eddie, at that time. Eddie invented the action comedy genre, or reinvented it, really, and took it to new heights. I don't think there's ever been an actor who's taken a genre of film and kind of done what he's done, and I learned so much as a kid from watching Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours, Trading Places. And the secret, really, when I asked him, is what he did was the directors were saying to him, we're not making a comedy, we're not making a comedy. So Eddie was funny as hell, but all of the other actors in the, in the movie were dramatic actors that were not playing it with a wink. So Eddie was kind of impro improvising the laughs? Was Eddie improvising? Yeah, was he improvising to, to turn, like, regular straight action lines into a laugh? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, in those movies, I mean, I wasn't there, but, I mean, I think it, it wasn't, they weren't written necessarily as comedies, and, I meaning the comedy came from the characters. 
Mm-hmm. And it, the point was that Eddie could be funny, but everybody else in the movie were being very serious. And, 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 and especially the villain. That's what I remember most about 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop, is there was an incredible villain in the movie. And you know, the other thing that was funny that for a comedian, he was like the first comedian that would kick ass. Like before that, the comedian's job was to run away from problems or try to talk his way out of the problems. But yeah. Eddie really held it as an action star. Well, that's, yeah, and that's why this movie, I think, is people are really responding to Tower Heist because it's, he's playing one of those characters, which is a street guy. You know, we've seen him in every type of role, you know, mostly family films recently, even though um, he was brilliant in Dreamgirls and got an Oscar nomination for that. But we haven't seen him play a real street guy in a right. long, long time. And that's why what people refer to as like an Eddie Murphy movie. Even though he had all these hits and these family films, I mean, he's stayed a movie star all this time. But this is like a return, I guess, to the the kind of character that people fell in love with. Character, yeah, that, yeah. that was edgy and irreverent and cool, and people love seeing that. So the whole time that you're directing this film, you know that you're kind of in charge of this legacy a little bit, huh? Well, I'm pinching myself because I could not believe yeah. that Eddie was, you know, I cannot believe that I had Eddie Murphy in this movie. Growing up watching those movies over and over and over again, it was like literally beyond a dream come true. I would race to the set every day to direct Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and at the at the same time, uh, he was probably the stand-up of the 80s, too. I mean, the stand-up oh that he there did. There was nobody funnier than him yeah. as a stand-up. And that's why I picked him. You know, I was chosen to be the producer of the Academy Awards this year. Uh-huh. And that's why I picked him the host, because I thought... All of the best Academy Awards had ho- had great hosts that were comedians. Billy Crystal was a comedian. Bob Hope was a comedian. Johnny Carson, a comedian. So I I I literally said, you know what? I got to get a comedian, and because I was working with Eddie for six months, I'm like, I got to get him. Uh, was he open to that? I mean, was it something that he wanted to do, or that is not a job that you could twist somebody's arm to do to stand in front of a billion people mm-hmm. you know it's something and and he felt i think i got a lot of goodwill um you know and and because of that because because he loved the movie and so i don't think if we would have done the movie that i would have convinced him to, to, to do it now could you tell as you as you're doing this because it's, i guess it's weird to make a comedy you don't have an audience in front of you how do you know when it's you know on the set that it's clicking well, that's just my my training and my my you know it's not something I could really learn. Mm-hmm. I think I just know or don't know, and I think I just proved in my other movies that I just knew what was funny. I knew what worked, you know. You know the weird thing is some of those films that you did, uh, like with Chris Rock, were kind of the Eddie Murphy action films that we're talking about. You know, right? Those films actually followed in. To, well, to, if it wasn't if, if it wasn't for Eddie, I could tell you that Rush Hour would not exist. I mean, I studied those movies over and over again. That's how I was able to make that movie, even. And I was doing for twelve-year-old kids what Eddie was to me when I was twelve. Right. So, do you think this is something that you now that you guys are doing this film, you're going to do the uh, Oscars together? You think this is maybe a couple more projects too to happen after this, or? Oh yeah, we're we're talking about a lot of stuff. I, I hope I could do my next three movies with Eddie Murphy, man. I love him. Any script you're talking about? 
in particular? Um, well, Eddie came up with some ideas that we've sold, but we have to develop the ideas into scripts, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, um, but I'm doing a movie um, for Steven Spielberg's company for DreamWorks Next. And then I heard about maybe that you might direct a musical. No, no, I was saying that I would. I love musicals. I was yeah. asking it in the New York Times. Right. Um, what I do, and I said, yes, I would love to do a musical because I came from music videos. Right. But is it like every genre that you want to try? Is that uh, part of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, 50 years ago, directors went from genre to genre. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't just, you know, if it was up to Hollywood, I'd probably just do action comedies. Uh-huh. But directors 50 years ago went from genre to genre to genre, and their job is to tell stories. That's my job. It doesn't matter, you know, um, you know what genre it is. Uh, you know, Ben Stiller is in this film, and Ben has had probably more hit comedies than anybody in the last 20 years. Um, but I don't see him out as much talking about this film. Is it because the spotlight's on Eddie a little bit? Oh, no, he's doing tons of press. Oh, he is doing tons of press? Oh, my God. He was on Letterman last night. He was on um, the, 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 the um, I mean, he's done every single daytime and nighttime show. I guess you, you haven't been getting out much. No, I haven't, I haven't seen that because I'm telling you, it seems like everything I pick up, all the heat is on Eddie right now. Well, I think that's the exciting thing is that Eddie's, you know, kind of making this, this, you know, this somewhat comeback or whatever they call it, but... That's the focus, but Ben has been doing a tremendous amount of press on the movie. Anything, and of course you had Alan Alda in the film, too, who is uh, terrific. Well, I love, I mean, I grew yeah. up watching Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in MASH, and, uh, you know, it's, it was, again, it was a dream come true to work with, with him and with Ferris Bueller, with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, it's a, it's a gigantic uh, cast that you got there. <laughs> and you guys were all over New York uh, last winter as well. Um the sets were amazingly big, right? Huge, yeah. yeah. It was one of the biggest movies I'd ever done. Uh, Brett Ratner, uh, big film opening this weekend. Uh, it's Tower Heist, and you can uh, check that out. Towerheist.net. Uh, thanks so much, Brett. Appreciate you thanks being for on with us. Me. Thanks for the support. All right, my man. Take care. Check it out. Bye. Um, Tower Heist. Oh, and on Twitter, it's at Brett Ratner. At BrettRatner.com. And then also, you can see Brett Ratner uh, trying to sell that, um, what is that movie school downtown? New York Film Academy. Yeah, the New York Film Academy. How which is like one of the strangest uh, commercials. They're going to need to get new commercials now, because he always says, I'm on the set of my new movie, Tower Heist. Does it make you want to join that school, though? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why you gotta be a wise ass? Yeah. Why can't you just say you don't want to be in movies? Okay, no, I don't want to be in movies. It just seems very strange. To be in movies? No, the commercial. Why do you gotta be now negative? Maybe he believes in film. No, I, I'm sure he does. He does. The film looks good. I'm, I'm, I know friends that have seen it and enjoyed it. What, Tower Heist? Yeah. Who saw it? Uh, my roommate. How'd your roommate see it early? I think they had some type of screening for work, or where he works. Did Oh, and I uh, see it because I know they had Brett in. I don't know. I will check. Roland must have saw it by now. I'm just, uh, I'm just a fan of Murphy's, and I would, I'd love to see this thing pop for him. People have wanted this for a long time. They've just, just, they just please, do stand up to get back to not having makeup on. 
Oh, too much uh, the fat suits? Yeah. Don't know if ONA saw it, but Sam and Roland did, and they thought it was funny. Sam saw it? Yes. Sam's just living a life, isn't he? Sam Robert. Um, Mongo, you're a manifest. Hey, Ron. Uh, with, with, such, with this movie being so many stars in it, you have other movies like Mad, 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 Mad World and Bridge Too Far. What would you consider... How far? How many people do you have to have to be considered an all-star cast? And what do you think was one of the biggest ones? Wow, that's a really fucking cool question. I mean, the Ocean's movie is definitely an all-star cast. Yeah. Here's where you got to be an all-star cast. Do you have three or four guys who could open movies by themselves? And then you add a couple of more character actors. Now, if you look at The Godfather, the first Godfather, you probably wouldn't have called that an all-star cast because the guys weren't exactly Not the time. stars yet. No. But, uh, on the other hand, to turn around and say, when the guys go, I'm going to take less money so we can all be in this film together. <coughs> That's to me, is the all-star cast. Valentine's Day. God, that I guess that would call. It counts. I don't know. I don't think that counts as all-star cast. Because I think a lot of those people are known from TV. Like, who in Valentine's Day could open a movie? Where the Ocean's Eleven guys, you had four or five guys alone that could open movies. And then they added another five... You know, character actors. Oh, I know that guy. Then you know the the bad guy, the the bad guy's friends are the all chick. big fucking acts. That's a fucking all star cast. Um. Hold on, here's Spaz in Missouri. He's got an update for us. Spaz. Hello. Oh man, I said Chris Rock instead of Chris Tucker. Hello. <laughs> Fuck, I didn't even notice that. Uh, hey, what's up? Uh, not much. This is kind of off subject, but I was going to tell you guys that uh, the daughter of a judge, uh, they got beat. The daughter that got beat ended up doing an interview on MSNBC about why she put the video up, if y'all want to put that to it. And another thing to say, as Major Payne says, stop that crime. Uh, Jeff, you're on Hey, buddies, I think the best ensemble cast movie is, has to be The Thin Red Line. There were so many famous people in that, yet they all didn't take away from the movie. You all knew they were famous in their own way, but... A lot of people didn't even get in that movie, or they, they worked it for a long time and only had a couple of lines, and they're like, oh, I thought I was in the movie more. Um, Jay, you're a manifest. Yeah, Ten Ball Run. You had Dom DeLuise, Burt Reynolds, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Roger Moore, and for the early 80s, those were some pretty big, heavy-hitting names at that time. All right. Um, yeah, I would agree that that was like an all-star comedy cast. Uh, Brad, you're on running Fez. Hey, I was just going to mention the uh, Outsiders as an all-star cast before they're all-stars. Yeah, well, that doesn't count. I mean, it doesn't count to use that film because that was actually a small... You know, kids' film at the time, they, all, they all became, you know, stars after. Same with Diner. At the time that they made it, uh, no, they weren't stars. Uh, here's Todd. Todd, you're on my face. 
Hey, Ronnie, what about Glenn Gray, Glenn Ross? Um, yeah, I guess that's an all-star cast. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Ronnie, do, uh, to back up a little bit on your uh, your Eddie Murphy uh, analogy, didn't Dave Chappelle do the exact same thing after you got an earful of Charlie Murphy? Uh, uh, yeah, Chappelle just walked away from it all. Yeah, that they had that contract and then just bounced. He said, I don't need it. I don't want to do this shit. And just pops up doing stand-up in random places. Take your $50 million. I want to just go do a walk on at 2 o'clock in the morning at some comedy club. You got to kind of dig it. Uh, let's go over to T-Bone. T-Bone, you're on a fence. Hey, what do you... Maybe it's borderline, but I think traffic kind of qualifies for an all-star cast. Um... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to me, it seems like the all-star cast, uh, it's not just a bunch of walk-ons. You know, the people kind of show up almost as equals. Here's uh, Curtis Sherman Fess. Hey, Ronnie. You know, the disaster in war movies back in the 70s were the all-star ones. Midway, uh, Titanic, Earthquake. Yeah, what they would do, well, Titanic wasn't one of them, but uh, <laughs> you're talking about like any of the disaster films. They would pay people that could no longer open up movies or do it as well you know crazy amounts of money to all be together and just get behind a burning building or a a blown up dam a a bad runaway cruise ship whatever it took uh jason you're manifest yeah i just i just kind of think this movie is not going to be that great i mean it's might as well call it uh over the hill, the forgotten fantasy. It, I mean, it's still like the guy was talking about with the cannonball run thing. A big group of actors just trying to get one man's money. That's the whole thing. Why are you being so negative about it when you haven't seen it? Or, well, I guess I guess I remember uh, when this director was on and the the movie. I, I cannot remember this last movie he made. It was a science fiction movie, and he really pumped it up. And I went to see it, and it just was awful. Well, I wish to... what man are you talking about? Uh, the direct, the producer here, uh, Brett Ratner? Ratner. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. All Brett. right, let's let's see what big sci-fi film that he did. That was such a disappointment. X Men: The Last Stand. Was that it? That looks like a sound. No, no, no. There was uh, there was another one he was working on. It was a bunch. It was really a lot of CGI stuff in it. That's the only thing they had going for. I uh, got uh, Zeta. Skyline. Yes, that's it. I never even saw this film. I remember the ads for it: Alien Invasion film in Los Angeles. Yeah, he he really oversold that movie. It was just it was just horrible. It really was. But, you know, I, I, again, I, I really enjoy your show, and I appreciate you letting me on. All right. I, I like the way you're holding the grudge on Ratner. Just like, hey, I don't like Skyline. I'm not going to go and see this Eddie Murphy film. Mom, I'm not going to believe you again. Fool me once. That's the way I play it. I didn't even see this film. I didn't see it. I just remember the ads for it. I don't remember anything about it. I remember a lot of blue, yeah. Just spaceships attacking Earth, pretty much. Then sucking people up into their ship. Yeah. This looks exactly like that L.A. fucking one that I saw. It came out like right before, before after wow. Battle of Los Angeles. I mean, Brett didn't even direct this, though, so I'm not holding against him. Um... 
I do want to ask you something about aliens, though. Out of all the alien films you've ever seen in your life, yeah, not one of them has a mustache. That always surprises me. That you will see a lack of facial hair on aliens. Like you would have thought, maybe E.T. would have like a little mustache. I know he was younger, but just to have some facial hair. Yeah, Pre Predator had dreadlocks, but he had no facial hair. It would have been perfect for him to have a goatee. That would have looked pretty good. You know, if you're going to dreadlock, keep a goatee with it. Take away from the, you know, the scary mouth. Right. Just something there. I mean, an ironic mustache. Anything. Fu Manchu. Hipster alien. I wouldn't even mind seeing one alien with an Amish beard. That looked bad. Just to say, this is the way we fucking do it. We do not care. Even like the the stereotypical alien, the tall with the giant, the, the pale fucking skinny thing, they never have a fucking beard. There's now look at that alien that you put up there would look a lot better with not only a, a Fu Manchu but maybe some eyebrows. Now I know they're reptilian, but why can't reptiles there grow a mustache? It's a different fucking planet. <clears throat> I don't get it. These get all Ratner, I got a new idea. I'm just going with the mustached alien. You won't fucking believe it. An alien has a mustache. That'll be the tagline. Sounds pretty good. You will believe an alien can grow a mustache. I always thought they were... It's going to be great promotional tie-ins, too, like Gillette stuff. We're going to kill it. I want to do a thing where aliens come to this world and battle people... But I want it to be a documentary. I want it to really happen. And I want to be the guy who gets it on film. That'd be badass. You gotta get some I'm going to point something out to you. You know Fez hasn't spoke now for like 40 minutes. He's still upset. Yeah. He's just sitting there. He hasn't said a word. Even now, he's sitting in front of a mic staring at us while we're riffing on aliens with mustaches. I just want to well, see one. Yes, that's not fucking asking too much. A little Hitler mustache, handlebars, the curly cue something. Thing. It looked great. Uh, I'm gonna break here. Um, back in a couple minutes. I haven't talked to you all day, Hicks. I don't know what's in your fucking head. Uh, Google's going after our televisions, and the network should be scared as shitless. Scared as shitless. <laughs> scared as shitless. Right back, running fest. It's the Ron and Fez Show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I just saw Sarah Silverman down there. How she look? Unbelievably gorgeous girl. Fuck Beautiful yeah. face. She fucking looks good. 
Now she's uh, dressed like it's freezing in here. Oh, you know what I mean? How she goes with that, like the the ski hat and the big, you know. Show it off a little bit. Come on. She doesn't need to. She's funny, but she's a beautiful, beautiful girl. Uh, Joe, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Good. Um, that guy was bringing up the fact that Brett Ratner uh, didn't was selling the hell out of Skyline. It's not really true that they had him on. And he was real vague about the storyline, and he didn't really talk about the acting or anything like that. And it's because that he produced it. Zeta was right. He didn't direct it. It was directed by actually by two disgruntled uh, CGI artists that were working on Battle Los Angeles, the movie yeah. that you saw. And they got fired, I guess, and they used the money that they were supposed to use on Battle Los Angeles to make Skyline. And it was just terrible because it took place pretty much just in the guy's apartment. And, and let me just tell you, I can't imagine that it was worse than Battle Los Angeles, which I think started in the middle of the movie. That was such a painful movie for me to sit through. Oh, boy. What did I have to do? I had to talk to somebody from that? Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, I like her, though. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's terrific. But it's awful when you talk to somebody and you don't like the movie. 99% of the time, I don't have to do that. I'm just like, oh, I'll catch him next time. Los Angeles didn't look like it was. It just looked, didn't look like it would be that bad. Maybe like a fucking generic action film or something. But yeah, just, well, I mean, it was just all CGI, and you know, you just didn't care about any of the fucking people whether they got killed or not. Uh, Trisha, you're on my face. Yes, sir. Yeah. One of the best all-time celebrity cast interview with a vampire. <clears throat> all those people ended up hating doing that film, though. They all wish they didn't. Yeah. I'd let two of those bite me and one can just bite my butt. Yeah, I understand. Take it. Take See, them That's all. why you got a reputation down there in Georgia. Those vampires. Yeah. As that girl. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Fezzy, next time you come to Savannah, give me a call. We'll have a couple of drinks at Wet Woolies and then go to Club One. And then I'll get bit. I understand you got a very nice tweet sent your way. I haven't checked it out. You did, too. I was sitting here when Hicks told you. So, uh, I appreciate that. Why did you say that you didn't know? What did he write? Fez won't fucking read it off. Opie Radio says, Don't hate you, Fez. Whoever started this shit should have told you I said twice that I didn't blame you for getting emotional over that clip. Oh. Well, he doesn't know the person who started it was Fez, but Fez didn't listen to the whole segment. He only listened to the beginning, and then he turned off his radio and got in a corner like the guy from Homeland. <laughs> See, this is a thing that Zietz and I have, Homeland. So if I mention Homeland, he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. I was like, yeah, the he's guy all happy Because the other guys don't know about that. Because we watched that show, yeah. Actually, he turned me on to it. I know. Did you catch up all the way yet? Yeah, I'm all caught up. How fucking good was the last episode? Um, yeah, it was good. I mean, to me, every episode's about the same. We're in the same stressful place, and I don't know whether I, I, I do. I think he's, I think he's fucking turned. I oh, do. Yeah. I don't I've, care I've what anybody says. I don't want to believe that, and I don't even watch the show yet. See, then well, you're just talking to talk. That's all. 
Listen, You're talking to talk. Stop trying to take my thing. Bro. What happened on the ice stream last night? I heard you kicked a little ass. Oh, on the uh, David Mack Sports Program. Yeah. Eastside Dave Conscious Last Sports. Is he going to start and call the Saturday night show the sports program? Oh, uh, actually, this Saturday we're going to go <laughs> live with the sports show. Dave and I will be live from 8 to 10 p.m. What are you calling it? David Mack Sports Program. So special delivery is done. It seems like it's up and it's very up in the air, falling quickly. <laughs> It's a dropping rock. And it's all about Davy Max Sports Program. Davy Max Sports Program live this Saturday at the ten. Good, I'm happy. I'm, I'll be happy to listen. I'm happy to listen. Very exciting. Although it's going to be quite a busy weekend. There's a lot of good football games. Yeah, it's fun. There's some fun, great games going on this weekend. Fezzy, you're just sitting. You're just out of it today. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, it's no different than any other day, but I didn't think you were going to be this bad. Just kind of locked up. It's a nice tweet here, though. You got the secondary nice tweet. Um, Dennis, you're running fest. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, pleasure, as always. Uh, I don't remember a lot of the details, but about uh, 10, 15 years ago, didn't? Uh, he get caught with a tranny and kind of just skated on the whole thing. Well, what's you know? First of all, uh, what what penalties should there be? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not saying there should be any penalty, but it seems like everybody else that's you know not necessarily trannies, but hookers and stuff. It seems like they take a good, it takes a good chunk of time before they get back into the mainstream. But it seemed like he went from that into almost like kids' films. Yeah, it's well, we already talked about, it, but yeah. And because I don't think most Americans care one way or another. Um, I don't think that affects actors or comedians. Maybe politicians is the last profession where something like that will affect you. Where they'll like try to get you to resign. But I don't think anyone calls for like an actor to quit doing movies. Hugh Grant never stopped doing stuff. Sex that tape. wasn't a tranny. She just wasn't attractive. <laughs> Come on, you. Which is worse? Now, um, yeah, there's no. It's really nobody else's business. I don't know why anybody would ever care about it. Uh, the hangman game that we've been playing. <clears throat> we do have a winner. <clears throat> Dave from Portland. New hangman uh, game to go up today. Did you guys get it all yesterday? Fuck no. I didn't even come close. Blood is thicker than water. <sighs> and they were able to do it on one letter. <laughs> what the fuck? How? Uh, I just don't stand a chance. We're going to have to come up with some new games uh, to play this Mother online because people are fucking amazing at this. Clockwork Orange went in one day. Blood is thicker than water uh, went in one day. Um... But it seems like the game should just be called One Letter Hangman, because <laughs> I would love to get into it. Look at the two or three letters. I thought it was going to last a little while. This is five fucking words here. I had no clue. Uh, we'll try to find out what time the next Hangman goes up. Right. I hope it's a really long one, because I'm, I'm curious how long they can get when people... Like, I don't know how you got blood thicker than water from just an N. I don't know. I, uh, they're able to pull it off, though. 
I think they're cheating. Because if I can't get it, this is bullshit. All right, let's put up the new one right now. And we'll take a look at it and see how we do. All right. I'll probably get it as soon as I see it. As soon as I fucking see it, I'm sure I'll be on it. Here we go. What? Oh, Jesus. All right. Three words? Yeah. You got it yet? Fuck no. Head on over to the entire bang. Uh, we didn't even announce the prize, Fuzzy. Uh, prize for this new, uh, brand new Hangman puzzle on the com. It is an autographed copy of Rick Springfield's book, Late, Late at Night. Mm. All right, so what do we got? Three letters, four, four letters, letters, then how many? Eight. Within, there's an I there. There's an I showing in the third word. And make sure if you're guessing this that you email your guesses in to editor at com. Don't put your uh, guess in the comment section. Make sure you email it in. I hate myself for not getting these. Get it so you can have the signed Rick Springfield book. I love when Rick Springfield came in here. You remind me of him a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. i start writing some songs then. You both kind of poppy, and you both were in General Hospital, but you went to the hospital. He I, was on it. I watched a lot of General Hospital. My mom would tape it in, in the afternoon, so I couldn't watch cartoons after school. So I was forced to watch the Adventures of Luke, Laura, and Saint Corinthos. I'm sure you were forced to, not that you sat and I, enjoyed I, it. You loved it. Well, I know all the characters and the storylines. Who was Sonny Corinthos? He was the mobster guy who ran Port Charles. Under Frank oh. White, I believe, was the, the boss. But then Frank White died, and St. Corinthos <laughs> became running the whole shit. So were you going like this? Mom, I think Sonny Corinthos is going to kill Luke. <laughs> Why is Laura kissing Sonny Corinthos? Weird. Because that's the thing. You could never trust them not to just do something fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. And then there was a kid with AIDS, I remember. Like some young dude had AIDS. <laughs> but he's still banging chicks, which is cool. All right, I think three-letter word, right? Yep. Yeah. I think it's Ken. Oh. Ken can't call me later. <laughs> There's no I in that. Hmm, that's weird. Oh, Ken can't can it. Fucking put it in. Okay. Send it in. Can. I'm done. Uh, Give me the fucking Sonny Corinthos signed. Did you watch it when, what's his name was on? Possibly. It might have been before my time, actually. I think I saw it when Ricky Martin was on the show, though. I would have been fucking like 99. Well, you just watching it last week? <laughs> Is that show even still on? I know a lot of them have been torpedoed. I think it got shit. I think it got shit canned. They did have a spin-off. I think that one has survived. That one it had a spin-off? It was a spin-off of General Hospital. It was called like Port Charles or something. Emergency room? <laughs> Cancer ward. Aftercare? It's going to be leaving ABC and airing only on the soap opera network. Oh, no, excuse me. It's the only one on the, on the network after January 2012. So it's still going on ABC. <clears throat> All 
All right, so I was watching General Hospital from 94 to 96. That's when... Sonny <laughs> Crenshaw. That was... <laughs> That's when fucking Ricky Martin was on it. <laughs> now, was he already famous, Ricky Martin, then? No, it was before he blew up. Oh. And then when he blew up, my mom was like, oh, he was on General Hospital. That's Sonny Corinthos. <laughs> Crass, get in here. Sonny Corinthos is on the TV. Christopher. That's what she called yeah, you? Christopher. Christopher. Uh, Christopher. That's my general hospital buddy, Christopher. Just wanted to watch fucking You know DuckTales. you fucking liked it, too. I don't know what you're talking about. I wanted to watch DuckTales. You like sitting there next to your mom, watching her stories. I was by myself, actually, because she taped it. She was at work. And then she watched them on the fucking weekend. She'd stack them up. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, at least she knew how to fucking program the VCR. Not everybody did in those no, no, days. No, I, I had to. She had me as a child figure out the VCR. You were basically like a fucking engineer kid. Christopher, why is there a DuckTales during my Sonny Corinthos hour? I just wanted to watch it. So you just sat there and watched anyway? Yeah, yeah, queer. That's, no, no, it was before the internet. Or did I you ever had get, the internet at the time. Did you ever get upset and give her spoilers? I don't think so. It's like Luke raped Laura again. Well, that happened 15 years or so before you watched Sonny Corinthos. <laughs> that was an 80, early 80s thing. And then he disappeared from the show or whatever for a while, then he came back. And they got back together. That was the Luke Rape and Laura fucking song. Um... Here is uh, John. John, you're on Manifest. John. Ronnie. Yeah. When I asked Hicks what kind of piece of shit VCR he had that he had to record and watch the same thing, he couldn't record one thing and watch another. Since the early 90s, we were broke. We had a fucking VCR from like one of the first VCRs happened. I had a VCR at that time, too, and I was able to watch DuckTales and, and record General <laughs> well, Hospital. Dude, I don't know. I was a kid programming the fucking thing, all right? <laughs> well, it seems like you could have just turned the channel and you'd have been fine. <laughs> You just fucking didn't stay with it. No, I remember f fucking up. I remember I was fucking, I just want to watch cartoons. I'm forced to watch fucking General Hospital. Forced or you loved it? Well, I was you just forced. sat there with ice cream yes, on your lap. Well, you know, at first it was forced, but I guess it started <laughs> to fucking get, you know, sucked into the fucking soap opera. It doesn't take long. <laughs> it doesn't take long until you start going, yeah, I get it. I mean, mo there's a lot of fucking shows. Like, Boardwalk Empire is a fucking soap opera. I don't give a shit what anybody says. There's fucking people having babies and affairs behind each other's backs and doing fucking shit that their character wouldn't have done two weeks before. That's uh, fucking soap opera shit. It's a lot of back and forth craziness. All right, this is uh, our also up on the entire bag now as a five. And that's the... Uh, it's kind of a, a the centerfolds, the all-time centerfolds. If you were going to pick an all-star team, and you get a five for it, sexy. Um, was there one for you, Hicks, or was uh... growing up? I remember Jenny McCarthy. Like, was Jenny was McCarthy was gigantic. Yeah, she was the she was the one. Give me uh, what the five is on here, and I know that they did it uh, over the history. I'll play, boy. And I'll open this up, too, for you guys, or you can go up and post it on the Interra bag. 
but it's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, or head on over to the Um Because Playboy was always a big deal. Yeah. I was actually in Playboy. Holy shit, for what? Yeah. Uh, some chick I know, I was just next door in this picture. Fuck yeah. And uh, down in Florida. And she's like, this picture's going to go on Playboy. And I'm like, sure it will. <laughs> Because it just seemed like a fucking crazy thing. But one time, uh, I was hanging out, this is a fucking true story, at this pool in Florida with a dude who was like the Playboy photographer, and we just brought in broads that wanted to be in Playboy all fucking day long. What the fuck? All day long. And it must have been like 200 chicks coming in, girl next door, Let's get naked. And he brought it around. Just come, they heard the open passing call or whatever. And just... Yeah, but they had to hit a certain fucking thing to be able to pull it. You nice. know what I mean? And then it's like, you know what? Why don't you stay and enjoy the pool? You're going to be one of the people. And we just rocked like our own little Hefner thing. That's fucking awesome. I'm trying to think for me, because sometimes it doesn't even have to be the centerfold. Like when Bo Derek did fucking Playboy... That, to me, is still a classic, classic pictures of all time. Did that make the five? Bo Derek did not make the five. What about Bo Diddley? Not there. See, I don't even know if younger people could ever even understand the, the place that Playboy was at at one time in this country. It was the shit. It's fallen downhill. I don't even know the last time I've seen one. Yeah. It's just about the TV shows now. And they have like uh, I think they have like a website. It's not even porn. And it's it's well, it never was porn. Really, it was just no, it never was porn. Yeah. All right, let's go uh, get over what they say. Their uh, five are. All right, from 1955, Miss July, Janet Pilgrim. All right, that's 1955. She must have been one of the real early schools. Oh yeah. I mean, she must have been there right off the bat. Oh, was she like his secretary or something? Yeah. I remember that from the documentary. And she worked in the subscriptions department at Playboy magazine. All right, what's number uh, two? And then from 1963, Miss December, Donna Michelle. Now, why did they pick Donna Michelle? She was actually 17 when she first posed for the magazine. Holy shit. Well, most of the girls that they have in there are between 18 and 20, even to this day. They don't like to get too fucking, you know. They like to keep them looking fresh. It's probably a good thing to apply to. Not Michelle, very sexy. She was sexy? Oh, yeah. What year? This is 63. 63, that was still a pretty bold fucking uh, move, too. Still a very bold move. Uh, Edwin, you're on Renefez. Hey, buddy. I just remember when Vanity from Vanity Six Bowls. She was on that swing set. Just rocked my world, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, true. All right, she was 17. I wonder how she got in being a year earlier than you think 18. I guess her mom would have had to sign for or something. Yeah. That's usually a little shit shit fucking breaks down. All right, who's the next one they got? And then from 1970, Miss September, Debbie Ellison from Jersey. What's the big deal with her? Lucia's a piece of ass. Why do you gotta be like that? <laughs> you know, they they have it all set up very classy 
And then, you know, I got Fez locked up, and you're just calling it a piece of ass. When there's also something they've already written up on it. Sometimes I can't even deal with you. Um, Chris, Philly, you're on my Fez. Hey, Ron, you were talking about, um, like, Playboy and how it's not really as relevant to use anymore. I think, I mean, obviously it's the Internet, but what's also interesting about Internet porn is that it's all amateur stuff that blows away anything that's professionally done. Like, people would much rather look at, like, some guy's five-megapixel camera of, like, his teen girlfriend as opposed to some chick that's all done up in a studio. Yeah, well, definitely uh, tastes have changed over the years. Now, when Playboy did this early on, uh, it was considered the classiest thing in the world. But no one ever says Internet porn is really the classiest thing that's ever happened out there. Um, let's go over to um, Charlie. Charlie, you're on my face. Hey, guys. Uh, basically, Playboy right now is just like buying a Maxim. It's kind of, I don't know, all the, all the cool stuff out there and some good articles with some nude women in the middle. I can remember buying Playboy being, you know, scorned by the, I uh, think, you know, the, the shopkeepers kind of think I'm buying porn now. I just throw it up there. It's no big deal. I don't know. I don't know if I even see Playboy displayed almost anywhere anymore. I think mainly uh, the biggest part of what they do is stuff that's mailed to houses. I don't think I've ever seen anyone buy one from a newsstand. Because they put it in wrappers and shit. Just God forbid someone sees it. And there's not even any titties on the front of the... No, the they go out of their way not to do that. But then the one good thing about the cover is that you could always look for the little emblem. So you're like, where do they hide the emblem? Oh, I hate when they made it real fucking easy. And you're like, I was going to fucking take a minute to do this. Maybe we should start and try to hide the interrobang emblem somewhere on the site. Oh, fuck yeah. Just like real small, and whoever fucking finds it has to write in. Huh? And we'll fucking just completely rip off Playboy and try to. Maybe we'll hide it in one of the pictures like they used to. Although, what if it turns out too many fucking times? You know, like, shit, I didn't know we were all over this thing. No, we'll hide it fucking well. Um, Mike, you're on my face. Hey, buddies. Uh,. My favorite, I'm 32, but my favorite Playboy ever was when China from WWE posed for it. Because, I mean, she went from this complete beat to, uh, you know, a little jerk off of honestly, after she, after she posed in Playboy. And then she did the porn with Xbox, and that was the shit. They will work it very, very hard so that these, you know, they'll airbrush it up. They will polish up anybody. They could literally polish up a turd and put it in there as a centerfold. Fuck, that turd's a peak. Gorgeous. Jesus. Oh, what's the, where are its turn-ons? <laughs> uh, Sean, you're on Hey, Ron, I get some promos every now and then for a dollar an issue. I thought that had been great about 20, 25 years ago. What's that? Dollar an issue is what it goes for? I might still take that. It's one of their promo uh, deals. I didn't even hear about this. Again, I don't remember the last time I saw a physical Playboy magazine. I think they might show up around here sometimes. They might send them. I might see one in one's office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the only time I ever sent, see them because I guess either they're having centerfolds on or something to do with Playboy radio or something. We have Playboy radio? Yeah, it's based out in Los Angeles. What channel is it on? I think 
with the realignment, possibly either 102 or like 90. NFC West. I would, I would love to fucking hear it because it'd be like this. Guys, I wish you were looking at it right now. Perfect breast. Turn around, honey. That's nice. Yeah. And daddy likey. Uh-huh. We'll be right back. Just a couple of minutes. It's Playboy Radio. Playboy Radio. We're going to describe tits to you on Playboy Radio. You like asses too, right, Playboy? All right, you're back on Playboy Radio. We're going to be talking about the areola for a couple of minutes here. <laughs> and then we'll be back uh, pubic hair. Yes, no, maybe all on Playboy Radio. Also, we're going to talk about the stereo system, which is the best to have. Because Playboy always had that fucking part of it was like now suddenly how to mix a fucking cocktail properly <laughs> uh, what kind of stereo you need cars they'll do it. Uh, should you fucking lather your balls in brute before she goes down on you <laughs> it is channel 102 um playboy radio i almost worked for one of those shows and they had me listen to the channel to like get used to it and i i was like this is fucking weird because like midday they'll have girls just like orgasming the phone number like, call, you know, Nate Orgasm. It's very bizarre. I don't know. If I was fucking driving across the country, I might want to jack the Playboy radio. You can't fucking pop in a video. I don't know. Smartphone it. Uh, Cody, you're on running Fez. Hey, guys. Um, if I were to guess, I would say that Pam Anderson has to be maybe the top of that list. Um, Pam Anderson probably is on the list. Am I right, Hicks? Uh, she is not on the list. Who's the next name? Do you want to describe her properly? Or are, you gonna, or are you going to act like this is a pain in your nutsack? Nothing is painting my balls. Painting? <laughs> are you painting. just so fucking excited about the Davy Max Sports Hour? I will fucking give you a C-note if you go in there and do the fucking show yeah. and you just keep telling Davy Mac that you're locked up <laughs> and you just let 45, 50 minutes go by without talking to him. That gets you a crisp, honey. I don't know if I can take the fun. Come on, that. let's see if Red can handle it. <laughs> Next on the list, from yeah. 1970, 73, and 75, Barbie Benton. She was half's girlfriend, if you go back and watch a documentary. And quite frankly, from the documentary, I think he was at his happiest then. Oh. You mean the, the three girls with the TV show? Yeah, the three fake girlfriends and all that. Then, like, okay, I broke up with those three, but I'm on, you know, with another 12. I think that's where he was at his happiest. Oh, and she got on t TV through that with a love boat in Fantasy Island. Yeah, she used to do this all the time. Nice. You she was like Mrs. Playboy there for a little while, but they never married. She's gorgeous. What do you think? He's going to be with a pig? Mm -mm, no, half knows, <laughs> half knows it. What are you going to say? Like, you know, I saw half the other day. He's with this chick with a hunchback and a limp. What? Is she in the magazine? Why is Hefner dating that hair lipped girl? He's just Playboy Radio. Well, when we get back, it's ass lips. Ass lips. Playboy. Um, oh, yeah. Tim, you're on fence. Yeah, about uh, Anna Nicole Smith before she went all batshit crazy and pilled out and fat. She was smoke hot. You try to fucking eat that many downs and lose weight. 
Ain't gonna happen, dude. You're gonna balloon the fuck up. Playboy Radio. When you get back, we'll be talking about the slit. Playboy. On Playboy Radio. Oh, I'm coming. Oh. I want you two girls to get in that bathtub together. How does that sound, huh? You okay. What you want us to do? We got a mini trampoline here, too. That's it. Bounce up and down. There you go, baby. Yeah. Now scratch your back. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah, that's it. Scratch it. Okay. Yeah, look at how they bounce. Look how they bounce when he, when she's scratching like that. It's Playboy Radio. Playboy coming at you. Mike, you're on the manifesto show. Ronnie, growing up, summer vacations, watching Prices Right, Diane Parker's imposed, blew my mind. All right, let's get a look at this. When she was back in the day, uh, I gotta agree with that. You always like it if you know the person better. Yeah, a naked a, a naked person that you don't know is nice, but a naked person that you know who they are, that's even better. And someone that didn't that you never expect it, that's fucking perfect. That is the shit. Blows your fucking mind. That's why I really want to see somebody like I went to high school or college with in porn just pop up. Well, they do always would do the girls of college. Those used to be the biggest fucking silly ones that they had. Now, I remember when I was like a little kid and we stole fucking Playboys. And I remember being like five or six. I saw this picture. It was the girl was naked and the man was wearing a tux. And I was like, I guess that's it. I guess that's what you do when you get older. Put on a nice fucking tux. You're with a naked chick. I guess that's how the whole thing fucking works. That's the fucking key. When our our valedictorian was in Playboy uh, after she went to school, after she went to college, girls of the SEC. Fun fact for Mr. Watley. Who is that? Yes. Let's look it up. Let's check it out. Her, uh, her name was... Should I get about her last name, too? She's in Playboy. Uh, you don't have to do any of it. I didn't... <laughs> I would have never known uh, a bit of this. Uh, Debbie DeLise was part of the Girls oh, of the SEC. Can she please outlive oh, it? God, My God. Can she please this. outlive this? Does this have to follow her forever? I think she was very proud of it. Um, I'm not finding... Look up Steve Carlisi and see if there's a picture of her. Um, Larry, you're on Fez. Nice picture. Um, let's go over to Tim then. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Ben. Pecker Lipsy, Fezzy. What about uh, Raquel Welch? That was some serious Jack material. I don't think she ever posed for Playboy, did she? I don't think so. Yeah, she was in it. I remember whacking off to her. I think you were fucking whacking off to Bob Welch. Mm, man, that was really a fucking. Uh, that was a stretch to go for that joke. Uh, John, you're on Hey, uh, how about Farrah Fawcett? Farrah Fawcett uh, had those fantastic nipples. Oh, hell yeah. Very sexy. Jesus. Yeah. Perfect. Ludo's nipples. Would you guys? It looks like golf tees. It's Playboy Radio. Boo, oh, titty. 
when we get back here, we're going to be talking about nipples like shot glasses. Ah, oh, Playboy Radio nipple talk. Bonus. You heard her. She's enjoying it herself. Uh, she likes when I talk dirty to her. Don't stop. Uh. We, also, we also have Spice Radio, which is even crazier than Playboy Radio with programs entitled Whore Talk, Stripper Town, and The Jerk Box. How's it any different than this show? <laughs> I feel like they're fucking stealing. Whore Town, 11 to 3 East and on... Believe me, Fairy, your nipple should be bronze. They're so fucking hot. There's some <laughs> Chicago guy that fucking Hef grew up with. After this, we're all going to go over to Hef's mansion. Um, Red Chairman Fez. Yeah, if we're going to go the game show route, i got to put up Vanna White, May 1987. Billions of potential lives lost to that one. You know, I got um, a certain celebrity told me something um, a little off about Vanna White. Oh, really? I would love to know. I don't want to say it on the air. Okay. Because this might come off like a little... Oh, God. Let's just say the aroma is not all that one would want. Oh, no. That's... Uh, Tommy, Tommy, can you hear me? You're on my face. Yeah, it's Tony. They always get it wrong. Completely. Hey, um... Hey, Tommy. Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Uh, one of the... One of, last I heard, this also, was one of the biggest selling copies was anyone that had Anna Nicole Smith in it. And, uh... Adrian Barbeau was one of the first Playboys that I ever uh, released myself to back in the 80s. She was a big star. Yeah, Adrian Barbeau, uh, well, she was the daughter of Mud, and then in a, a bunch of John Carpenter films. I think she even married uh, John Carpenter. Look at this. Adrian Barbeau's in there with us on Playboy Radio. Totally nude for your pleasures. Kapow! Yeah, titties. Gotta love them. Playboy Radio. You like tits, Playboy? Eric, you're on the fence. Yeah, how about uh, Lace from American Gladiator? She was, she was in there. She's fantastic. I wouldn't mind running a batch all over her face. It's Playboy Radio. Oh, Chicago's best Playboy Radio. Now on our lines, Mafia Life, Chris. Yeah, Chris, welcome to Playboy Radio. What's going on? Did, uh, did Suzanne Summers do Playboy once? Suzanne Summers from Tree's Company, was on Playboy Radio. I don't know whether no. Suzanne... Yeah, Suzanne Summers was in Playboy. Um, I always wanted to see the other one. I, didn't, I don't know what the name Joyce was. Joyce DeWitt. Yeah. I liked her better. Mm. <laughs> I just wanted to see what the nipples look like. All right, by the way, the only... Uh, <laughs> I, those nipples are perfect, like little shack glasses. Uh, the only person who got my Bob Welsh uh, joke was GVAC. So that's it for me. I retire. Done with this business.
Don't retire. Fez will be show? here to keep you company, though, from... I'll tell you, when Fez hits a bad patch, he ain't coming back that day. No. He gets in the worst fucking mood. Um, Jay, you're on Fez. Yeah, Ronnie, they don't come any better than I did all over Dorothy Stratton. She was the the best and most tragic uh, Playboy playmate of all. Um, yeah, she was. Star 80 is the uh, film. Oh, yeah. And, um... I'm trying to think of who got... She wanted to be like the 25th anniversary model, and she wasn't. But she got to be Star 80 instead. Oh, by the way, all these pictures of what what's considered the top five by the editors at the Interbank up now. And the Hangman game is up and running. I'd like to win that today. Uh, Larry, you're on Playboy Radio. How are you, Larry? <laughs> Doing great. Keep playing this clip. I'm close. Uh, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, Belinda Carlisle. That was, uh, that was a pretty good issue. Belinda Carlisle from the Go-Go's? Yeah. Look oh. it up, dude. All right. Let me check this out to see if I even remember this. Wait, now I think I do remember. It's after she went solo. Here we go. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know wrong with that. Although, you can't ever really... I mean, I don't think her stomach was that thin. They just chip away with it. They fucking Photoshop it down. Um, Chris, you're on Run Fez. Uh, yeah, Ronnie, one of the first uh, Playboys I saw was uh, like back in the 80s. It was a Windows 7-Eleven spread where it was like chicks that worked the counters at 7-Eleven. I just couldn't think of anything more weird. Well, they always they go out of their way to do that, and then you got to wonder, hey, did they just have some hot girls work in 7-Eleven for a week or two? Basically, yeah. That's I think that's still that was the last time I read it. Whatever it was like, uh, workplace hotties or some shit, where it's women just working shitty. Jobs. They love to uh, drop that down on there. Let's go over here to uh, here's John Tennessee. You're a running fest. Hey Ron, I remember back in the '80s, a lady by the name of Roberta Vasquez. I think it was. It might or might have been a cop. What a great set of tits that was. What a great set of tits she had. Playboy Radio still on the air. Oh, tits. That's my sounder. It's really getting bored. Oh, tits. Tits. Well, I was just sort of staring at her. She's got a beautiful chain between her tits there. <laughs> uh, Mark and Philly, you're on a fez. What's up, buddies? Yeah. Best Playboy ever for me. I think I was 15. It was when uh, the WWF had Sable in Playboy. And I had to pay the clerk $20 to get the magazine because he wouldn't give it to me. Nice. Wow. I remember so, this shit. If you uh, throw him a little extra money, then he's willing to break the law. Exactly. Exactly. He asked me how much I had, and <laughs> stupid kid, I showed him the 20 and mm -hmm. that was it. I got the magazine. Kid, it was well worth it. You know that, and I know it. That's the fucking best 20 you'll ever spend your entire life. When you would have a fucking... When I was a kid, if you had a magazine, we'd start a fucking fort over it. 
we'd say, look, we're the only four people who know about this. It's fucking gold. No one else can know. It's a suitcase from fucking Pulp Fiction, basically. It is. That's <laughs> what that fucking thing is. It, the, a glow came off those magazines. Now I feel sorry for a kid. They just get up, they fucking hit the thing, and they can jack in their fucking room on a computer. I was in the transition years of that, when before I'd have to fucking hunt for the porn. Right. Just fucking be hungry for it. And then, but then the, you know, just started slowly again. I was like, oh my God, I could just type in whatever. Now, what age were you like, like, started to be consumed by porn? Probably like, I don't know, 11 or 12 going on. Like, fuck, I need to fucking see fucking porn. I remember being much younger than that and still trying to figure out the sexuality thing. And I think at one point, uh, we would have been like, five, six years old, having a magazine, me and my buddies, and thinking that, mm, that must be fucking, he's sucking her tits. So, that's he's fucking her right now. <laughs> and then later, when I saw the actual fuck picture, it was just like, hold on, dude. What the fuck are you trying to tell me? Holy shit. What, is he pissing in her? Because this is like... You know, pre-hard-on yeah. age. Yeah. What the fuck's going on? Pre-hard-on age. And it just looks like this guy's got a surfboard between his fucking legs. You're like, what the fuck are you telling me? Where does this go down? Change your whole fucking Where the view. hell is this happening? And then, like, oh, he's just like, okay. Now I get it. Sounds like a good idea, except... That's how it goes down. Yeah. I feel like there's a thing where you learn about the fucking, and then you learn about the jizz. Like, you would just assume they're pissing, and then you learn, wait, 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 something else totally different happens. Yeah, I can't, you know, because when I saw the actual penetration, I was way too fucking young to make the full connection. And then, like, when you're with your buddy, as soon as you, like, all you want is for any of the buddies to know less. So you're like, really? You know what this fucking is? Check it out, dude. You don't know? You're too big of a pussy to get this? And you're like... Wait, you just fucking got the magazine yesterday. Calm the fuck down. I'm way ahead of you, dude. Sorry. Was, uh, when did you pick up a doctorate in this? I remember trading porn on floppy disks, which meant you could have, like, two ten-second videos. And that was it. Fuck yeah, but you jacked off all day on those things, oh, right? Oh, man, and they're still some of the hottest things I've ever seen, because in my mind, it's, like, unbelievable. Blurry Spice Channel. Uh, Jeremy, you're on Fez. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, I was just calling to say uh, the favorite one I had that came out was uh, whenever old Rod Stewart's old ride, Rachel Hunter, got in there. Oh, Rachel Hunter was always gorgeous. Oh, man, yeah, those big old titties, man. She had big old areolas, man, I tell you. And what ended up happening, we had to... You sound like you do our... weekends for fucking Playboy magazine. <laughs> Maybe I do. Maybe I do. I don't know. But we had this buddy that would come over to hang out at our house, you know, on Fridays after, you know, everybody was out of class and stuff. And then come come Monday morning, you know, you go through your inventory and you notice the good ones are gone and we always knew it was the same dude taking them but he always denied it <laughs> all right uh look at her she was gorgeous it's fucking piece of ass Jesus well, again Christ. back to piece I of ass apologize we're trying She's to be classy right. fucking playboy radio right now and you take it back to the same thing piece of ass she's very attractive she's a gorgeous woman i'll put in a vote for the fantastic lynn austin the very first hooters girl why would you put in the vote for her? Well, because we know her and yeah, did Hooters on the radio with her. Mm. 
And she never wants to mention she did that now. <laughs> I'm still trying to find Fez's valedictorian. <laughs> Girls of the SEC, you said? I believe so, yeah. I think she went to the University of Georgia. Okay, I found Girls of the ACC, and I think I have it. So, bring it up. Yeah, your school wasn't in the SEC. No, this was after she graduated high school. I went to high school with her. And then when her for her freshman year in college, she posed for this thing. Wait, so you were in, in uh, you graduated with two playmates? Um, yeah. Well, we had Pam Stein. Yeah. And then this girl who was part of a photo spread with other college girls. All right, gotcha. Nice. I'm telling you, Florida fucking has a lot of talent. Just turns it out. Um. Mark Kennedy, you're a manifest. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Um, I never fixated on any one particular girl because, you know, there's just so many of them that are hot. But I always thought that the Playboy lingerie editions were the best things ever, sexiest ever. You like a little lingerie over it? Oh, yeah. Gets the imagination going. Yeah. Uh, you're calling from Canada, right? Yes. Actually, some of the most famous playmates uh, and most beautiful women come from Canada. That is true. And they don't get the full press for that because the second that they start to make any money or get any heat, they leave Canada and move to L.A. But you would be surprised. The number of these big, beautiful, I think they're it's like a Swedish black ba background with these girls, are all from Canada. God damn. Um, here's Bill. Bill, you're on Fez. Talking about some of the most famous uh, centerfolds of all time or just girls that appeared in uh, Playboy. Ronnie, do you remember when Jake Lamotta's wife, Vicky, was in there? And she was a little past her prime, so they put her in this fishnet suit to kind of hold it all together. Yeah, they did. She was one of those people that posed when she was like 50 or something, or in her 40s, and it was after uh, the Jake Lamotta fucking movie came out, Raging Bull. Wow. I like to get the age on her at the time. Because uh, apparently she was with Jake when she was like, you know, 15 or 16. Um, Travis, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, you guys can't forget about Drew Barrymore doing it. That was the best fucking thing ever. <laughs> I jacked off of that thing for probably like six months. Uh, the weird thing is after she did that, you remember she was Gertie in E.T., Steven Spielberg took the magazine, gave it to his art department, and then had them draw clothes on her, and then he sent her a note and said, "This is the way I like to see you." Oh. You know, love Uncle Steven Spielberg. Weird. And then she wrote back, "Fag," and sent it back to him. Wow. Good for her. And then he wrote back, "No, I just wear glasses, and I have an incredibly weak chin that I hide under this uh, beard and mustache." And then she writes back and said, "In all the Alien movies." Not one of them have a mustache. And he goes, look. Then he writes back to her. Let's stop writing back and forth. Why don't you just come over? This is fucking seriously starting to get nuts. This correspondence has been going on for a while. Um, Vic Lamont was 51 when she did Playboy. 51. A fucking pride. Uh, pictures are up on the, um, on the Interbank today. As well as the new Hangman. And I'm telling you, if they get Hangman quick, we need game shows that are a little tougher to play. 
We can't let these people run roughshod over this hangman. The listeners are now running roughshod over us. I don't Basically stealing our shit. I feel like an idiot because I can't get these things and they're taking shit out of the prize closet. Are you going to make the extra hundred on the... Uh... <laughs> I don't... I don't... I think I'll pass on the extra hundred. <laughs> I think you're making a huge mistake. Um... Let's go over here to uh, Frank Merlin. You're on my face. Hey, Ron. You mentioned uh, Bobby Benton. So what? If you, if you look at the current Playmate of the Year, she is. She looks exactly. What's like her name? Barbie Benton. Uh, Claire Sinclair, and she is dating Hefner's son. Circle of Life. It's kind of sick when you think about it. By the way, Rob Cross sent me this thing that said uh, Detroit Lions uh, fans um, are so excited that it's ha that they've got the Thanksgiving Day game yeah. that they could possibly win for a change, huh? and they are starting a thing. They want to get rid of Nickelback from being their halftime show. If you're Nickelback, after a while, don't you have to say, "Come on." Why does everyone got to fuck with us? <laughs> they fucking sold a shitload of albums, and this fucking backlash is not stopped. The people who didn't buy their albums didn't buy it because they hate them. That's the weird thing. No. You got to say, outside of our fans, we're despised. <laughs> I mean, the, the city of Detroit hates us? They don't want anything to deal with them. Oh, God. It's not good. Yeah, don't do that to him, Seats. It's mean. I'm sorry, Pepper. No, you're not. That's true. <laughs> um, tell Fred to find out what Line 3 is talking about. Uh, let's go over here to uh, our buddy Rich on the 28th floor. What's up, Ron? How you doing? Uh, my favorite, Donna issue came out. Uh, I actually made up a fake grocery list, claimed it was for my father, put the Madonna issue at the bottom, broke, brought it down to the local deli uh, to have it so bad. Uh, now, they actually went and bought old pictures of Madonna that she didn't actually pose for, and she wasn't happy with it. Oh, no. You know, it was pre-workout, and it was pre-shaving uh, down Madonna, yeah. where she just had... Uh, a vagina that was as hairy as an Italian guy's balls. And the armpits, too, Harry. Yeah. Oof. It actually looked like Mafia Life Chris's taint. It was so fucking hairy. Oh! Oh, God. Uh, here's uh, Bert Dallas, Sherman Fez. Hey, yeah, uh, I remember being like uh, 13 or 14 and seeing the chick from Buffy the Vampire Slayer sitting on a basketball wearing the Letterman. Man, that just was awesome. Oh, and by the way, I think Forrest Whitaker had a mustache at Battlefield Earth. Oh, interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, Sean, you're on the fence. Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie Seymour, uh, Axel Rose's old uh, flame from back in the 90s. <laughs> uh, 
Beautiful. She was an absolute beauty. Hank, she remind reminder as the guy who's as the girl whose son was kind of uh hugging up on her on the beach. Oh yeah. That made everybody so uncomfortable. Kissing. And then they had to put out a family statement. We're not like that. Plus he's gay. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh Stephanie Seymour's high as shit though. Foot the come on. She was the November Rain girl that died in November Rain. Classic. Yeah, she had an unbelievable. She was just beautiful. And now she's just known for trying to sleep with her son. I don't even think she did. I don't even think that's true. All right, there's pictures. Why don't you want to make the quick hunter for yourself? Too ambitious? <laughs> what are you guys going to be talking about, football? A little football, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be some football talk. That's for damn sure. I'm telling you right now, these Packers are for real. They fucking are. 7-0. and Bullshit. You are going to see the Chiefs make a run at this thing. <laughs> Four in a row, dude. It's just constant predictions with sports shows. It's, no, it's not predictions. It's fucking locks. On the oh, yeah, that's from. true. We're going to fucking rock it. Although Davey, Mac, uh, no, I would bet against him. If he was my bookie, I would have retired years ago. Fucking stack that cash up. Uh, here's Joker. Joker, you're on my face. Yeah, hey, Ronnie. Uh, hey, before I tell you uh, how great Tracy Lords was, uh, did you realize that you had Robert Downey Jr. calling from Canada? Um, no. Check the tape. Check the tape. But anyway, Tracy Lords had the best breast in the industry. I mean, just absolutely to die for. Then we found out she wasn't even 18. Yeah, she wasn't in Playboy, though. She was yeah, not underage in Playboy, I guarantee it. No, uh, you're right. She was doing uh, straight porn then. Um, Mark, you're on a Fez. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Yeah. Yeah, he was talking about that chick he took a picture with in Playboy. Was, was that Shelly Jones, the Pennyfax queen that was on y'all in Southern Florida? Yeah. Yeah, that chick's amazing, ain't she? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she was in a, a layout of uh, Sherry, and she had, you know, the little comment section that said, you know, that she was on the show taking uh, fax copies of her, you know, her panties and all and sending it out to the guys and shit. Yeah, she was, um, she was old school that. Shelly Jones is her name, Hicks. Um, here's uh, Noah, you're on my face. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Buddies, uh, I remember Sybil Danning in the 80s when I might have been 10 or 11 years old. It was pretty good. And I also like it when they released those uh, issues they call, like, the wild girls of Playboy. And really all that equates to is a little bit more uh, pictures of the downstairs anatomy from other angles. Yeah, they actually had to be pushed into any of that kind of stuff because of Penthouse. Like, they went out of their way. I mean, they were fairly late before that they would show anything like that. 
and they thought at first, like, Penthouse, you're just gross. And then Penthouse is coming on too strong. They're like, all right, girls, uh, everyone's in. Let's see it. Come on. Um, let's go over to our buddy Blowhard, the undefeated Blowhard. Who are you I'm playing defeated. this weekend, Blowhard? I play Zito. Zito, can we count on you to win this? You can count on me to win this. Oh, they all talk. Uh, is this a lock, buddy? Is I, somebody... I, I honestly have a belief that Blowhard is going down. D he's due for uh, an yeah. off week. And it's going to be against the fighting mono. I'm not even going to brag. I'll wait till it's all over because everybody was against me last week. They thought Fez was going to beat me by 40 points. I built a team from scraps, and I came back and I beat them. There was a message on our on our message board that said Fez sucked Blowhard's ass pipe. Yeah, we keep it really a high high level on that message board between Dave doing Friday night posting, calling, saying he's going to eat people's jizz and all. Just the stuff. opposite. He said Mikey Boy was going to eat his jizz. Yeah, it's, and uh, he was also wrong about that. Although he came fairly close for being the defeated Dave. Yeah. Oh yeah, and if he only started a player who's been injured for three weeks, he I mean he has him in his lineup. I don't think Dave even knows who's in his lineup. But you know, I got to tell you, if I didn't have my three injuries this year, yeah, you'd be good. I'd, you're good now. I'd be running away. Yeah, I am uh, a, a decent team right now, despite losing three major guys and having my quarterback really playing injured. Yeah, what's wrong with him? I don't know. I, I, uh, he's injured. I, I'm he's watching the way he's throwing the ball. I don't know what's going on? Although uh, Chris. Um, Johnson, who Mikey Boy had, has kind of destroyed Mikey's season oh, yeah. as well. Beginning of this, like, oh, he's got fucking Johnson, it's over. Because Mikey Boy had improved everywhere but, you know, figuring out, all right, but I still got Chris Johnson. Yeah, my guy this weekend is going to be out McFadden, it looks like, my big running back. But I got Forte and Aaron Rodgers. That's why I'm, I laugh when uh, you say that Detroit has a chance on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Good luck against the Packers. I'm a little nervous this week because I don't have Megatron, and I thought I did. He has a bot. Well, I'm down uh, run DMC, so we're kind of even. You're losing your big star. I'm losing a big star. So, it's, I'm telling you right now, he wants this undefeated season so bad. Yeah. Nah, I'm not oh, going to act. You bullshit, want the undefeated bullshit, season. Bullshit, You're Blowhard. going for history, Blowhard. Why are you denying it? Why are you doing this? I'm just playing one game at a time shit. Fuck that. Yeah, Say it. We're going for it all. The Dolphins will pop champagne when you lose. I'm trying to be humble. I think it's harder to do a, a fantasy undefeated season than it is like a real undefeated season. I don't want to upset Bob Kuchenberg, so, you know, him and Larry Zonka are hanging out in the parking lot with the champagne. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be formidable, Zito, but you're going to go down, and then uh, the rest should be easy. Did but... anyone notice the big that uh, that Blowhard was able to dump fucking Mendenhall on, on Mikey Boy? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but I got a guy who's been injured. A guy who hasn't done shit this year. Hillis so does kind of suck Sort of this a year. risky risky deal picking up Peyton Hillis. You know that he's on his way back. Well, Mendenhall, hey, the Steelers are getting it together. The offensive line's starting to click. They're protecting Big Ben. Then why'd you get rid of him? I am a fan of Hillis. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Peyton Hillis. There's kinda, something I don't believe here. Some fucking craziness yeah, going I, on because yeah. Hillis is not good. Hillis is great. What do you, look at last year's numbers. Yeah, it's what about this year. All right, so he's coming off an injury. <laughs> you remember, Blowhard, that I was the closest to beating you. No, I was. All you guys were. That's the best part of it. I lost by one fucking point. I yeah. lost by one goddamn point. Fucking heartbreak. That yeah. happened with uh, less than a minute left. I remember I was fucking goddamn locked in on that. I was willing to text you. Fuck. Well, 
It's just a game, and we're going to see what happens this weekend. It isn't just a game. It's everything to us. The thing is, nobody in this league wants to make any trades. I mean, Mikey Boy was a rarity, but nobody in this Bullshit. league nobody wants to trade rape. You're trying to, trade rape. You're trying to fucking dump guys going in their bye week on people. No, what you do is you counter. That's what it's all about. You like a deal, you don't like a deal, but, you know, send something back. That's all. I called to talk about Playboy, but obviously we're talking more about my... No, uh, ahead. we'll talk about Playboy. No, nah, I was just going to say that there was a playmate back in the 70s, of course it's the 70s, you know that, that I was obsessed with. Her name was Patty McGuire, and she won Playmate of the Year. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous girl. Big, big, big hairy beaver. And uh, Jesus. she ended up marrying <laughs> Jimmy Connors. I know and, I knew the name. And years later, I met her... Uh, when I was working for CBS Sports at the U.S. Open. How uncomfortable for her, huh? Oh, my God. I, I, I said, oh, hi. Uh, hi, Mr. Connors. And uh, hey, Miss, uh, Mrs. Connors. And they were like, hi, how you doing? And, uh, I just and had then you were off to the races. On the bed with that big, gigantic beaver. It was hilarious. And you oh had the issue God. in your hand? I, you know, I, I had that issue. It was probably stuck to my hand for years. It was, I shoplifted it because that's what you used to do. You used to go down to the candy store and buy a newspaper and just slide a book in. When nobody was there, and uh, that's how we used to get our porn. We used to just put it in between a newspaper. But Patty McGuire was like the hottest chick. All right, blowhard. I'm just saying, look her up. Yeah, we looked her up. She's very, very attractive. And look at the shots of the big beef. It's okay, hilarious. Big, big beef. Okay. Yes, Harry. All right, all right, Zito. I'm going to beat your ass, and then you can talk all you want. I uh, will, blowhard. I will. Um, Craig, Craig, you're on manifest. Hey, Ronnie, wasn't there a bet between Chris Stanley and Blowhard on whoever won or lost that game? I hope you feel better, Fezzi. Yeah, if I if he beat me, he was, I don't know, fucking... You got to drink a bunch, but if you, if you lost, nothing happened, so it was a very great bet. Yeah. When's the big surprise for National Sandwich Day? Zito has brought it up to me every time we've gone to the bathroom here. That, that was, yeah. One He's like... Whispered to me, sandwich is day. anything really happening for Sandwich Day? Yeah, I didn't know. And I go, I know it's going to. I can't hear anything. I would love some Sandwiches are good. Uh, why don't we play Rob Cross's uh, cover song today? This is from Gold Play to Covers. And Rob's uh, bringing us a song. Well, it's a hip-hop song. I'm not sure who it is. Is it... Uh, Little John or somebody? Yeah, I think it's a little John. I think he produced it. So, but when he produces something, it he basically takes over the track. It doesn't matter who did it. Well, what's the name of the song? The name of the song is Get Low. All right, let's just uh, take a listen. This got done. Uh, it's Get Low. It's a cover song, but it got done a little more Caucasian.
people probably get amused by it, but I just want to smack these white people for being so annoying, embarrassing us all. And stop acting like you're so fucking cute by doing this. Very well produced. Almost too well produced. Like everything they do with all their daddy's equipment. <laughs> Dad, you put more money in my account? I need a Pro Tools rig for this Harry. video. Harry! Wouldn't it be so adorable if we just did the best version of this but just weight it up completely it's like we like little john but he's too black uh we're gonna break here we come back we're gonna talk about veterans veterans uh and your chance to win a signed book by somebody over on the interrobang at theinterrobang.com. The Hangman Game. We've been doing a prize a day. Hopefully you bastards won't get this one as fast. I mean, Jesus Christ. Right back. Veteran Talk on the Run and Face Show. I'm brand new. Everything I do is always brand new. I'm on the premise of reality. I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax I can't sleep cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire Psycho killer, let me see It's the Ron and Fez show on a uh, Thursday. Yeah, it's a Thursday. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about some headlines that appeared as I uh, woke up uh, this morning. And I wanted to reach out a little bit to people that are veterans, um, particularly Iraq and... 
Afghanistan, but quite frankly, veterans all should uh, be um, involved in this. Three different headlines. The first one, absolutely alarming, that says in this country, a veteran is committing suicide one every 80 minutes. Every 80 minutes, according to what I read here, a veteran committing suicide. Second headline that I see, that the United States of America since 9-11 has spent $1 trillion on weapons. And then the third headline that I saw was that veterans are showing up at Occupy Wall Street because they come back to this country only to find unemployment and no place for themselves. So, after Vietnam, and I remember being a kid and guys would come back from Vietnam and you'd see them and they'd still be wearing their jackets and stuff and they have long hair and beards and they would say, we're getting a bad rep because... You know, we're portrayed as this and that in the movies and people aren't uh, hiring us. And uh, somewhat after that war, we act like we learned a lot of things from Vietnam. Uh, we weren't going to start a war again without an, an exit strategy. Uh, I say that as we're now 10 years into um, some of these wars that we're into. Uh, we'd said, oh, no matter what happens, we support the troops, have these ribbons, and yet you look at these stories, and again, there's nothing, uh, um, nothing that's going to pay off for you when you come back to this country as a veteran. It's still seen as this thing as something that people don't want to deal with. Uh, and the third one, for whatever reason, we sure as hell have a lot of money to spend on the planes and bombs and never as much on the people. So um, it's alarming. It is absolutely crazy to look at this. And I think the uh, the worst headline of all is one U.S. veteran attempts suicide every 80 minutes. Uh, we still haven't figured out how to get people who have been in this uh, type of situation to be able to come back here and um, transition, transition back into uh, civilian life. Um, I'm going to go over here to Ryan in Chicago first. Uh, he is a veteran. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Go ahead, Ryan. Hey, Mr. B. Um, I love you, man. There's no one's opinion I value more than yours. So I listen every day, and uh, I love the show. Um, Fez actually helps me uh, listening to his problems. It makes me kind of laugh at mine. Uh, but I was uh, in the infantry for the Army. Uh, I went to Iraq in 2003 and fought in Fallujah, Iraq, which was a pretty bad hotspot uh, back in the day. And uh, I was only there a month and six days, and I got hit with one of those roadside bombs uh, like five minutes outside of that Abu Ghraib prison, uh, that all those scandals took place at. And, uh, just the chain of events that, um, from once I got hit, um, from going through, you know, back to the prison to go in a Black Hawk helicopter to be taken to Iraq, uh, 
hospital. Um, from there, I went right into surgery. Uh, they took a lot of metal out of my uh, body. Um, I ended up waking up uh, with a trach in my throat, and I was wrapped up like a mummy, pretty much. And uh, I was just ripped away from all my uh, my soldier buddies, and it was, uh, it was very sad. Um, and I wasn't able to talk. I wasn't able to communicate. So just going through being a patient and uh, um, having to deal with that with, without even being able to talk was just extremely difficult. Um, but uh, it was a long process. I ended up going to Walter Reed um, Hospital, which is in Washington, D.C., and uh, there it just opened my eyes to see um, that what I was going through was nothing because I was surprisingly in one piece. I mean, I had some metal in me, but I didn't lose my legs. I didn't get burnt uh, like a lot of these soldiers have. And uh, that just opened my eyes to see how it just affects so many uh, young kids. And that's just really uh, what's shocking is they're just their babies, man. They're 20. They don't know anything. And uh, it's just terrifying. And then... Uh, like you're saying, just it's never worth it, man. Like I know Veterans Day is coming up, and it's just it's not worth. You know, people say Happy Veterans Day, and I always feel they do that just to make themselves feel better. Um, like I don't hear from people all year, and then I hear it on that day, and and that's all like a Happy Veterans Day text, and that's all I get. So it's rough, but I think that the hardships that the Vietnam vets went through, I think a lot of things now are better. I don't, I'm not saying they're where they should be, but they're better. I mean, I get the medical treatment I need when I need it. I have people to talk to when I need to, and uh, for that, I'm thankful. So, But you say, as far as it goes for other people relating to what you went through, it's it's impossible, I guess, for people who haven't experienced what you've been through. And quite frankly, to most people, I think it's um, uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to hear these actual stories. It is. I mean, a lot of people talk to me. They don't know. Uh, they always like. They always think for some reason I don't want to bring things up. They think that that's how all veterans are. They're just like miserable and they don't talk about. It. And I'm not like that. I love talking about everything I went through. Um, I go to little classrooms and talk to kids once in a while um, on Veterans Day to kind of cheer myself up. But just tell little simple stories, uh, like just uh, you know the camaraderie, the good stuff. Either um, I did it because I wanted to go to school. I knew what I was getting into. I knew that there was going to be a war starting. I knew going to Fallujah that I could get killed. I mean, I signed up for the infantry. I knew what I was getting into. And, I mean, I remember writing a letter saying to my parents, like, this is what I asked for. If I die over there, just, you know, just know that this is what I wanted. So, like, people know what they're getting into, but at the same point, the military attracts a lot of weird people, like a lot of... uh I mean, it's just like those the guns and all the stories, it attracts like a weird kind of people. And I think maybe a lot of that suicidal and depression might come from just, they might have problems before they enter the military also. And then the military just adds to it and it kind of gives them more of a, you know, a model to follow after is the old, you know, hurt veteran. So. I appreciate you calling, buddy. I love you, uh, Mr. B. Thank you. All right, my man. That's uh, Ryan in Chicago, uh, of that Purple Heart. Uh, this has got started because. You know, once again, we got another war where it's been tough for some of these guys to come home from. And when uh, you remember when this store, this uh, war uh, started ten years ago, there was all these kind of big um, send-off parties, and I remember Clear Channel did stuff all around the country, like, "Yay, this time we support the troops. It's not going to be another Vietnam." 
But you see how this gets done, and people would do the yellow ribbon stuff. But as time goes by, it's very weird how people are just like, I really don't want to hear about it. And some of these guys are left to deal. And you see this headline, one U.S. veteran attempts suicide every 80 minutes, um, which they're calling some of the hidden tragedies of the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. Some of the guys having tough times transitioning back. Some people can do it very well. Some people can't at all. And of course, with the economy the way it is, uh, it's tough for some of these guys to come out of the military and find a place for themselves. Here's Christie in Long Island. Christy, do we got you? Hello, yes, I'm here. Go ahead, darling. Hey, um, I'm calling. My boyfriend was, he served two tours in Iraq with the United States Navy. He's been um, home since, two, he was honorably discharged in 2009, and he's still unemployed. Um, is he looking for work? Is there a type of work that he's um, yes. trained to do? Well, what happened was is he got called for the NYPD. And they disqualified him for something that happened when he was 19 years old. And when it happened, he knew he had screwed up, and he decided to go into the Navy. And he did what he had to do for four years, served the country, and I came home, and they disqualified him. And nobody's hiring, and it's really ridiculous. Um, thanks for calling us. Here's uh, Nikki. Nikki, you're on the air. Hi, I'm not a veteran, but I've, I've worked in psychiatry for over 30 years, and we all know what works for PTSD and how to treat it, and it's, it, you know, and there are things that work, and down here in Jacksonville, there's two or three uh, nonprofit organizations, and if the guys and the girls, if they get the help as soon as they get home and it's consistent, they, they really can be helped, and I mean, you know a lot, one of them is Wounded Warriors, it's very, mm -hmm. very popular. And as far as funding anything and giving them jobs, bring all those billions of dollars home, bring the soldiers home. Let's use that money and build our infrastructure and give them all jobs. Boy, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great to, you know, we lived in a world where that trillion dollars could have been spent on American stuff uh, and the, the, the jobs of rebuilding infrastructure nobody would be better suited for probably the military people you know you're looking at real old school engineering type work that needs to be done um, real discipline work it would be great for them Nikki you're saying that there's things set up for these guys but do a lot of them not want to go and talk about this stuff I don't even think a lot of them can get to some of them okay mm -hmm. and there's obviously not enough Jacksonville is a big Navy town, right. so that's one of the reasons why we may have a few more than some other areas. But I just encourage them all to get on the computer, to find a group. If you don't start talking about it and working it out, yeah, you can't. It, it's never going to go away. And it is. A, it's a, it's also a it's also a tough thing for most guys to do. Uh, it's tough for most guys to say that they uh, they have some of these feelings. But the more that we hear about it on shows like this, and when you hear statistics like that first one you gave, it's just, I've worked in psychiatry for years. There is help. There really is. All right, thank you so much for calling us. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Joel in Brooklyn. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Roddy B., how you doing, bud? Yeah. I was, uh, I'm still in the Marine Reserves, but I joined Marine Corps Infantry. Uh, 
you know, I served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I think one of the main things that the first guy touched on is that the average person uh, that that joins the infantry is not quite like everyone else. We are a little bit different uh, to really think about that and put yourself in harm's way in uh, the time of war is, is definitely a little different at such a part. But uh, the main reason why I called was the suicide. I had uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, my roommate in the Marine Corps, what happened is uh, he came back from our first tour in Afghanistan. He had some PTSD, and um, he was kind of being taken care of, but uh, there's still maybe, I think this was in about 2005, so they weren't as uh, on top of it at the time. We went away for uh, training right before deployment, and they disqualified him from going. You know, but I'm I'm seeing uh, you know this article that says one of the vet attempts to uh, kill themselves uh, once every eighty minutes. A lot of those guys are already discharged, and a lot of them miss that community that you're not going to really find. Um, Absolutely, Ron. You're completely correct. I the military maybe getting a job. That's kind of why I joined the reserves again. Um, and you know, like you've touched on, it's just when you from the military, they just they really understand that. And it's uh, you know, it it just is what it is. There, there's this. Even though they might feel uh, they might feel some, you know, some love or whatever you want. No, it would be impossible. And if you take 
take a war like World War II where, you know, uh, as went and fought this war together and came back around the same time, I think there was a lot of... And those guys could relate to each other. And shared experiences where now come back into this country. Country, and you're living in a small town in the Midwest or down south or something. Wounded warriors are really good, and there's, uh, you know, in case anyone else is listening. Iraq and Afghani veterans of America, too. There's definitely uh, there's a decent amount of Af activism. And uh, you touched on before, too, about how the economy is doing so bad. And you, just, you turn around every day and you see these politicians just not really doing the right thing. It's really good. That be that support system like you need, just like you said, Ron. You know the camaraderie, and it can really help. Some of these younger guys that are coming back that they need, or and, and then use the GI Bill too. I live in New York; they give me a good amount of money a month just to go. Connecting to your muse. 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 I couldn't find a job anywhere. I got lucky. Uh, I grew up in the trucking industry, so that's the, the direction I went. I didn't want to, but hell, you got to do what you do, you know, feed your kids. But, yeah, I can see where they're coming from, especially these days. You know, they, they get back. There's nothing for them. Uh, I appreciate you calling. Now, my father... Uh, was a veteran of the Second World War. And when he got back, he would have been a young man, uh, early 20s, um, tons of factory jobs. He started working. With the GI Bill, uh, he was able to buy a home um, and, again, start a family. And this was a guy in his early 20s who got back into this country, house job, family, that's not exactly opened up to a lot of the guys coming back now. 
and it's a uh, it's a tough place, you know, to try to fit back into this economy. You could be coming out of college and have a tough time trying to fit into this economy. Rich, go ahead. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm down here in Raleigh. We have Fort Bragg. We have a lot of places down here. And we're a, uh, a subcontractor, so we do a lot of work. The saddest thing is, and like you said, like your dad coming back from World War II, when you came back from those wars, we had a tremendous amount of manufacturing jobs. These kids are over there, I mean, and they're great kids, and an excellent noble effort to, to go and the thought of helping this country. But the, regardless of what the conflict is, they were over there, 20, $10 million piece of machinery, and they were their own bosses. They did great jobs. Then we come back here, and we offer them service jobs where managers, whether they're college managers, whether they're, you know, managers in business, they treat these kids like knuckleheads, you know, where a kid didn't have to ask what to do when he was in the military and now asking, you know, should I use this mop versus this mop? And these are the jobs we're giving them. And that's the same thing. This country needs manu- manufacturing. That's a tremendous um, trade. We have no trade schools in this country. We have no manufacturing schools in this country. But you know what? Now we have what we didn't have in World War II. We have a tremendous customer base worldwide to sell to India, to sell to China, to sell to Japan. And our country for some reason, still has factories overseas selling to overseas, where it should be reversed now. We should have domestic factories selling to overseas, and it's not there. And I don't know why these politicians don't listen to your show or listen to common sense people. They're retarded. Thank you for calling. Here is uh, Ryan. Ryan, Long Island, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ron Fez, what's happening? Hey. Uh, this is a, a great topic. I mean, I, you know, I got a lot to say on this, but I'll you know, try to keep it short. Uh, some background about myself. I was in the military. I was in the Army in 1999 to 2004. So I was actually over in Germany when it happened. And, you know, there's a couple of factors that play into some of these topics. All the vets that called in, you know, they're right on point with everything that they're talking about. And I think there's, there's two kinds of vets. You know, you have people who join the Army after 9-11 with the spirit of patriotism and, you know, they just wanted to get over there. They wanted revenge. And, you know, they wanted to do what was right. And then you had people who joined the Army because they either they couldn't go to college, they needed money. And a lot of that relies heavily on the recruiter. When I joined, I wanted to be an 11 Bravo, right, infantry. And I had a rec- recruiter who said, when you get out of the Army, what the hell are you going to do with an infantry pitch? He was like, you need to go into computers. Or something like that. And that guy steered me towards satellite communications and when I got out, I was lucky enough to have certifications, and I found an employer who rather have somebody with real-world experience than a college kid who learned it in a textbook but never saw the equipment. You know, now, I, you know, I was involved in combat. I came home with PTSD. I've been home for nine years now. I suffered in silence until I got mad. And my wife would wake me up that I was screaming in the middle of the night, waking her up, and it was embarrassing. And I think a lot of veterans suffer in silence. They don't understand their own. 
are programs out there. There are things. The government just doesn't make it easy. You have to go to the VA. You have to search and find these programs. Connecting to your muse. 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 Accepted that you know. I feel like. You know, I'm a shitty person. I did horrible things. I'm going to burn in hell. And then finally, after getting married, you know, my wife got me to go to the VA to find the therapist, to address it, to understand that that was my job. That's what I was there to do. So it's, it's very difficult to go over there and have to do some of the stuff that a soldier has to do and then come home and just bang, that's it. You're right back in society, getting up, going to do the nine to five when you're used to being out in the shit doing what a soldier's got to do yeah that that transition is tough no matter how well prepared you are for it too i mean it's impossible it's crazy how fast you can get home now you know we talked about world war ii it used to take those guys like months to get home and they would be on ships together and now you can get home nine ten eleven hours you're from being in that craziness to back in your old neighborhood, and you know, like you never ever there. Guys going, hey, what are you doing? We're all going out tonight. You know, that transition is never going to be easy. Is there any yeah. sort of physical or mental exam that before the guys come home? That they have to go through. There is a transition class that is a joke. It's kind of like, you know, how to be a civilian again. And they tell you, you know, you can no longer shoot people to resolve your conflicts. And everybody laughs, but they're dead serious. But, you know... And they, it's a joke, the class. The, the objective is to kind of get you to blend back into society and understand that that phase of your life, you know, how they broke you down in boot camp and rebuilt you to be a different person, which is what happens. Right. They break you down and rebuild you and you are a different person when you come home and that's done over what boot camp ait however many different duty stations you were at and then they take a four-day class and try to undo all of that and put you back in civilian life and expect you know that's it just get back to work no there's no job for you you know nothing like that and if you didn't have a recruiter like i did that was looking out and get every certification you can that would cost you thousands of dollars on the outside 
outside. So when you get home, you're on a $10 million communications equipment, but you've used it. In real-world applications, you didn't just learn it in a textbook to drive veterans to appointments who can't get, you know, back and forth to them. Uh, you know, there's Homes for Heroes. One of my closest friends, his daughter is dating Paul Rykoff, who created IAVA, and that guy's a hero. You know, I, I think most veterans who come home have been there, and they don't think anybody's going to understand. You know, there are vets who get out, and they can't handle it. They have to go right back in because, you know, I'm 32 years old now. I never knew what a friend was until I joined the Army because you will never find that level of camaraderie that, that what you have in the military you can't find anywhere else there's a poem every veteran out there with soldiers look it up on the internet and it describes to a t what it's like to be a soldier about how you know i didn't know this guy from a hole in the wall but he'd give his life for me will agree and it's so true that you know you could be in the barracks fighting you know because there's plenty of soldiers going to be there for you, and that doesn't exist anywhere else. Anywhere else, and, you know, they just uh, to get you have to get out there, beat the pavement, knock on the door, call your congressman. You know that old adage: the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Be that pain in the ass. Get out there. Your country owes you. and you know, or I'm wearing my class A. and I have my bronze star hanging from my chest. How many people come up and shake my hand? The airport, the soldiers coming back, and everybody just breaks out into applause. That makes me cry every time. Because fading away into the background. Uh, These guys uh, yeah. are still there. They're still coming home. They still need your support. Uh, I appreciate you calling, Brian. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, we're talking about veterans. Um, it uh, is still alarming uh, how difficult it is to come back, particularly um, when we all said we were going to do such a better job this time in... Uh, transitioning guys back, welcoming guys back out there. Uh, but it's also rough to hear that if the guys don't go there or looking for it, that it's, you know, it's A, it's tough to find, and B, when you have these guys that are keeping everything inside, no one's going to bug them about it. You know, it's going to have to be up to them to express it. Have these guys find a... a job that's going to be fulfilling in this economy. Um, marry his uh, girl, start a family, as a really, really young guy. Um, that's entire life. Uh, he had things to take care of. He had things to be 
involved in. When you come back and you're not working, it's tough on a man. Um, let's go over here to Brian. Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm a vet. Uh, three years, uh, three years, I say, say three tours over. Uh, my last tour, I had a uh, good friend of mine who was also one of my soldiers. I was a squad leader. Uh, he was suffering pretty bad, and I'm kind of chokes me up a little bit just talking about him now. And uh, I kind of missed all the signs I didn't uh, that, that were a clear indicator that he was going to do it, and uh, he did it. And I, I mean, uh, and it, it kind of ruined me. I mean, to this day, I'm still, you know, thinking about it, sweating about it, everything. You get the treatment, but uh, it also, it's like a stigma that's attached to you. I mean, PTSD, in my mind, is it's like the new AIDS. Uh, I'm searching for a job as a heavy heavy equipment operator or a welder, which are both trades that I have. Uh, it's an automatic uh, out for the for the job. I, you just lose out on it. A lot of times when the people find out you're, you're getting the help and, and you're on the pills or you're... You're, you're doing what you have to do. You have to go to appointments and miss work. They don't, they don't want to work with you. So, I mean, yeah, the, the economy is down, but the employers are, these days are just, I'm sorry, they're just closed-minded to it. And again, it goes back to the exact opposite thing that people were saying after 9-11. Uh, the exact opposite. Uh, thanks for calling and sharing that, Brian. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. The thing I wanted to touch on was you know, there's the aspect of PTSD contributing to suicides, mm -hmm. but there's also the, um, like, the loss of identity that you get out of the military. If you went in and, you know, you go in straight out of high school and this is what they teach you, they don't really need to break down that much, and that's your entire identity. And you get out and you go back into, you know, the civilian world and college and everything else, and you just don't know where you fit in with everything. And so... I think that aspect contributes why vets are committing suicide because they just, it's not just necessarily the nightmares and those moral ambiguities and, you know, those feelings of angst of what they did or what they saw. It's just this loss of self. And. Well, yeah, it seems like the only jobs that are similar is like if you can get into a fire department or an EMT. You know what I mean? Those type of jobs seems to be jobs that people transition to um, comfortably. But I, I bet it would be strange if to find yourself working in a cubicle somewhere and making weird cold calls or whatever people have to do. Um, it's the training is the exact opposite. Yeah. Well, one. Thing that like. Like, I had problems with that, and I had issues with depression for about nine years, and I finally had to go to seek therapy, and that's, it was basically being able to accept myself and not worry about what other people were saying, because I just didn't have this self-identity anymore. But um, the other aspect, and some of the other... Callers talked about talked about it with the camaraderie you know when you're in the military it doesn't matter how shitty things are you know you have a guy right next to you that is dealing with the exact same shit and there's a specifically put up with anything because you know everybody else around you is doing it too but 
civilian life is totally different. It's the world shitting on you, and it's just up to you to take care of yourself, and nobody else is there experiencing exactly like you are. Mm. I appreciate you calling. Here is uh, Brendan in New York. Go ahead, Brendan. Hey, guys. Nice to talk to you. Um, I'm doing a neuroscience rotation in med school, and one of the studies we're doing on now is um, in physiological changes in PTSD patients or patients who had PTSD. And there's actually um, an, an atrophy, which means a shrinking angle basis for these things now. You wouldn't, you know, not supply health system with Alzheimer's or with a brain tumor or with any changes in the body. Right, but w what I think he was saying is that it's tough to, for him to, it's for either insurance purposes or whatever they worry about. People suck. The Ron Face Show. Hey, how's it going, Ron? Uh, <clears throat> I uh, was in the Air Force. I uh, got out back in 09. I went from 05 to 09. Um, uh, two things uh, I wanted to hit on. Uh, one of your callers you had earlier hit the nail on the head uh, about the you know when you're going to sign up, you know, and, and do your service. Don't just you know settle for any job they can give you. Uh, uh, can offer something in the uh, in the civilian sector. Um, you can either do for a civilian company in the regular civilian world or for contractors that work at 15. And I can, if, I, if that's something I wanted to pursue after my uh, stint in the military, I mean, start and pay is like $28 an hour when you're doing, I mean, we had, I had guys in the bay next to me um, that were 50 years old, 40 years old, uh, you know, wearing jeans and t-shirts and hard hats doing the same thing i was that were you know making what i make in a month and a week you know and there's <clears throat> jobs like that um that just you got to do your research do your homework talk to a vet who is in the same branch and is possibly you know see what he thinks what what they think of what job will you know have an opportunity for you on the outside, especially if you do not plan to attend school during or after your uh, your um, time in the service. You know? you know, there's there's so many opportunities you can do. Obviously, yeah, infantry is kind of hard to get hired. Like, hey, I know how to kill people um, in the civilian world, but. Uh, you know, there, there are opportunities out there. You just got to be smart about the ones that you, you choose. Uh, all right, I, I appreciate your calling, buddy. Um, we put up the... Three different articles on the Interabang right now, if you'd like to go over there. Uh, and basically, as I saw today, is A, we have spent over $1 trillion on weapons since 9-11. $1 trillion. Uh, two, a vet attempts suicide uh, once every 80 minutes. 
um, Iraq wars. Uh, and then three, He's come back to a country that doesn't have a place for them. Um, and I'm talking about... And you need some reason to feel involved. So that's over at the Interabank. And leave some comments because we're not going to be able to get to everybody on the phone. But it's amazing to me this up how many people are ready... And willing to talk about it. When about this, returning soldier suicide quite a bit, and there's actually quite a few facets to this black little diamond. You got soldiers over there kicking ass, protecting our freedoms, yet they come home and our fucking freedoms are getting stripped right, right out from underneath us. So it's like, they're really think about what the fuck they're really doing over there when the fucking, the, you know? Well, it is, you know, you have come up with a. An interesting thing. Not only do you get back and the economy is bad, but let's face it, there's a lot of political discourse going back and forth. Patriotic about too much. Um, the Democrats and, and Republicans are fighting like cats and dogs with each other. Take back over the uh, White House. But guess what? The guy that you put in there is going to have the Democrats fighting against him every bit of the way. So, we're again, we're not going to get a lot done, no matter who's in. And if I came back, and this was the country, after being gone for years, I'd, I'd actually find myself wondering what the hell I was fighting for. Um... It's a it's a difficult thing, but you do know that we could be doing better for these guys. You have to believe that on some level. Walker, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B., you raised the point about troops coming in from World War II and getting the warm welcoming, and then Vietnam, you know, some guys came in, called baby killers, and they took it kind of hard. And then, you know, we weren't going to make that mistake again with the troops coming in. And I was an officer in the military, and business as usual. Uh, and so you, it, it, it's hard to just, it, as thankful as we are to be welcomed back, you know, it's, it's not just that 15 minutes when you get off the ramp and walk toward your loved ones at the tarmac. It's the rest of it. And, and not to, you know, not to sound depressing or anything, but, you know, I have this. And then he was say, you know, he was like, he's there, he's like talking about being there for his dying breath and everything and he looked at me and he said have you ever seen anybody die like that and i didn't want to bring up a bunch of stuff but the only thing i said was no not like that and that was that was the only that was where i had to leave it at i didn't want to get into it you feel like you can't talk about those kind of things with anybody or just there's people who haven't been there I think people just have that haven't been there because I didn't want to bring up, you know, that we, you know, we've seen, I've seen a charred body of a guy that was a, a service member, you know, I've seen service members that have lost limbs. 
I just, I, I didn't want to get into that. I didn't want to discuss it that day or, you know, maybe not for a while, man. I just didn't want to talk about it. Mm. Uh, I thank you so much for sharing. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, here's John. John, you're on the run of Fez. show. Good, man. Hey, uh, I just uh, listening to your show today. And, you know, there's a lot of fears whenever you transition out of the military. I've been injured downrange, and I had to come back early, and now I'm in this process of getting a disability rating and getting out and uh but there's a lot of fears that come with it there the, the unknowns like uh you know i'm a, I'm a civilian paramedic downrange but i don't know that i'll be able to do that job when i get back because i don't really feel comfortable with it anymore or, or not very comfortable with and i'm kind of lucky because i have a medical background but some of the guys like uh 11 prop whenever your job that you did in the army, there's no equivalent for it when you get out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that is a uh, absolutely a tough thing. Here's Kylie. Kylie, you're on my Hello. You're, you're on the air. Sir, go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm retired after 21 years and multiple tours in Iraq. Uh, from Desert Storm and OIF as well. And, uh, I've also done tours in Bosnia. You know, and I've seen soldiers suffer from the PTSD, get a disability rating and everything else. And it's, you know, and there are plenty of programs that are out there for soldiers that suffer from this problem and everything else. But the problem is, as you know, the employers don't have, you know, the the sympathy or or empathy or the time needed or necessary to 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 uh, utilize these programs. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, I think most people just don't. You know what I mean? Uh, we tend to face away from anything that's uncomfortable. Um, one of the other vets that I thought brought up such a great point about being in a place where everybody's working. At you know, best, that, that's the way we run business in this country. You know, and I retired, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I've reached retirement, you know, and I'm going to sit back and smoke cigars and, and, and enjoy fish disability is more than my retirement pay and I've ended up having to drive truck possible to get anything done uh, as far as you know seeking any kind of counseling or anything like that and uh, all they want to do is medicate you know to the point where that you know my wife will say things like you take more pills than an 80 year old man it's it's just a sad state of affairs you know that we have these veterans that are out here great and they're wonderful but the problem is is that they can't take advantage of them because no time or place for it because that they have to work the way that they have to work and stuff like that. yeah but dude you got to make some time i mean if you're suffering 
from any of this kind of stuff, you're going to have to take care of it. You know what I mean? I mean, if you had a high fever, you would think uh, something's wrong. I got to take care of it, not just go to work every day and come home. Um, make sure that, you know, you find time if you can. <laughs> In this economy? <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same point, if you, if you need it, you need it, dude. If you need it, you need it. Yeah. The whole thought of it, the whole thought of going there kind of turns your stomach a little bit, though, doesn't it? Well, and, you know, I've woke up in the middle of the night, and it's and it's because I've been woken up because my wife's punching me in the face, and it's because in the middle of the night I started strangling her, you know, and... Or I'll be punching the headboard and stuff like that, you know, lashing out. You know, they call it night terrors or whatever they call it. You know, things like that. Dude, you got to get some help. <laughs> yeah. All right, my brother. Take care. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, this conversation started because I said I saw three headlines today. Um, one said, uh, U.S. veteran attempts suicide every 50 minutes. Another one says, military has now, um, spent $1 trillion on weapons since 9-11. Um, and the other one said, uh, now veterans are marching on Wall Street, um, because of the 20% unemployment for veterans coming back into this country. It's a tough one. It's uh, these are hard times. No I'm doubt about it. You even saw those three headlines. It seems like this shit's buried all the time. It was very, very odd to see uh, all three of those. And it was the first thing this morning, and um, I just wanted to open up the phones and talk to some people who are in the know. Here's Paul. Paul, you're on the Run Face Show. Hey, Ryan B. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Hey, uh. I, I did 10 years in the military, and I was 11 Bravo infantry, what these guys say that you can't get out and do anything with. Um, I've had no problems finding jobs. I've had two jobs since I got out. I did three years in Iraq. I had to, I had to go out and look for it, just like you would if you were an 18-year-old kid just out of high school or you know out of college or whatever. You have to go out and look for it. One thing I have seen... I went. I came in before nine eleven. Mm -hmm. I have seen the quality of soldier, the quality of person that you get enlisting. Yes, the the, the very noble that they that they enlist. You know, after nine eleven, knowing what's going to happen. But the quality of soldier. I looked at some of these guys I was getting, and I'm saying, well, you're not going to get a job in the real world either. You know, so. I do feel for a lot of these guys. You know, I've been listening, trying to bite my tongue. I'm hearing these guys say, well, woe is me, woe is me. Well, you enlisted to be a soldier. You enlisted to defend your country, which it wasn't all about that, Ronnie B. You go over there and, and you see the way those people live. It tears at your heart, man. You want, you want to help them out just as much as you want to help out any American. Well, tell us a little bit about that, because I think that kind of guilt and... Um, that people bring back with them that they've seen some stuff that most Americans don't have to see. Right. I'm not going to tell you who I was with, but I was with a unit that 
if if a, if a place got a little bit rough, they they had a tendency to send us in there, and we'd have to do some shit that you know you that it wasn't right. But when you see you know, I mean five six three year old kids that are out there that have no food, they're dirty, they you know, and they have nothing to look forward to in life. What do they got? You know, we're gonna we're gonna roll out of these, this country and we're leaving nothing behind for them. You know, and people say, oh, we're doing good over there. We're doing good over. There. We did a lot of good over there, and but in order to do that good, you got to do a lot of bad too. And that's something when you sign that dotted line that you're saying, okay, I will do that bad. You know, it's just like anything. They say, well, Bravo, well, there's nothing that you're gonna be able to do when you get out. Well. I got these jobs because they said, oh, you're 11 Bravo Infantry. You've got discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put your head down and do what has to be done. You know, so, yeah, I, I've had to kill people, but only because they wanted to kill me first. You know, that's how this whole thing started. People feel guilty about what they had to do over there. And I went through this. You know, I, I fought for this. I got my VA rating and stuff. But it's what you, you have to go out and, and work for it, just like you would... Just like when you started in radio, someone just didn't come up and hand you, you know, million-dollar contract and say, you have at her. You had to work for this, you know, and it's sad that these guys are going through this stuff, but at the same time, you got to take a little bit of responsibility of what you what you got going on. Paul, I appreciate you calling and, and, and uh, talking with us today, my man. Thanks, Mike. Uh... It's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, let's go over here to John. John, you're on the Ron and Fez Show. Hey, Ron. Uh, I just want to say there's a lot of organizations out there that can help you with uh, the camaraderie that you had before in the service. Uh, I personally belong to AMVETS and uh, uh, the uh, VFW, and they really helped me when I came back. Now VFW, uh, you know what's that kind of a lot of times that doesn't work for the really youngest guys. They don't feel as comfortable there as some of the guys who have been out for a while. Am I wrong about that? Or am I right? No, uh, you get it's part of the organization that you join. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, uh, the AMVETS uh, Riders Group, which uh, a lot of younger guys on motorcycles, uh-huh. and uh, you know it's that whole. The Hell's Angels thing, I guess, when you look back at that, when they came back, and that's what they... They know, were ex-military, the Hell's Angels, yeah, at the time. Yeah, and a, a lot of us, they said, we're not going out and committing crimes, but we're going out and we're raising money and we're helping, and, and guys are talking to each other about things that happen, and it's not so much that you're having to get it out, but, you know, this guy sitting next to you is is been the same, you know, in the same shit. Uh, and it does seem like... That may be as important as anything of just being able to have people having a chance for other people to talk to that can understand. Well, uh, nobody, nobody's judging you. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, this is what we had to do. This is what you signed up to do. And when the end of the day is done, that's what you did. Uh, let's go over here to, uh, and thanks for calling us, man. Let's go over here to Chris. Chris, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey, Ron. What's going on? Yeah. Hey, uh, so I got a cousin who's an Army Ranger. He served two tours in Iraq and two in Afghanistan. He's an ass kicker, man. He's got over 20 confirmed kills, plus all the ones they can't really track down. 
Anyways, when he got back, finally got out of the army. He moved in with us for a little while while he got on his feet. I always slept with a pistol there on his uh, on his nightstand. And I went and woke him up one morning, man. And before I even realized what was happening, he had that gun on my forehead. He didn't know where he was or what was going on. And, and he warned us after that, hey, y'all can't wake me up in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, some bad shit. I mean, he's, he's fine during the day. But at night, man, when he closes his eyes, some bad shit goes on in his head. And uh, anyway, it, it was a crazy deal. But he's one of these kind of guys, you know, he doesn't want no pills or anything like that. He just wants to kind of deal with it in his own way. But there's a lot of that stuff going on as far as the PTSD. And even the guys that, that you know, seem cool and, and you don't really notice it, man. They, when they lay down at night, it, it gets bad. I appreciate you calling. Here's Doug in Baltimore. Go ahead, Doug. What's going on, Ronnie? To, to give you a different perspective, my father did uh, two tours in Vietnam, and he committed suicide uh, when we were about, I was about nine, my sister was 11. It, it tore our family apart. And uh, it's, you know, my son is listening to the Air Force now. I mean, it's, you know, we, 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 he just signed up. And, uh, you know, trying to explain to him that, you know, no matter what happens, the family structure will be there for him. But at the same time, he has to do it for him. You know, he really has to be prepared for everything that he's getting himself into. And literally last night we had a conversation, and I asked him, why are you joining the military? Because, you know, I do pretty well for myself. We're paying for him to go through college now. And he just flat out said he wanted to serve his country. And, you know... I just hope, you know, everything's there for her. Well, you know, that's the other thing, like you're saying, that the people, some of the people going over here are such young men that these are really their first adult experiences. Their first adult experiences are stuff that most adults uh never have to deal with um and i think it's also so important is to say uh because like that last caller said his dad had trouble coming back from vietnam it never was reported that well of how many people had trouble coming back from korea and world war ii i mean in those days it was almost put under the carpet uh completely but when we talk about atrocities, some of the people that were at D-Day and um, some of the things that people had to see in Germany uh, or the people who had to show up in Japan after the bomb dropped, those guys were haunted and many of them just dealt with it through you know, alcoholism, reckless behavior, whatever it took just to try to push the stuff out of their minds because they didn't have... Um, even the same kind of psychology that we have today. So this stuff isn't exactly new, but we were supposed to do this a little better. And I bring this up because of the three headlines. We put them all up at the Interbank. Um, that just show that so much of the stuff that 10 years ago we said we were going to plan for, said we were going to um, deal with, we haven't done all that great. Here's Tim in Tennessee. Hey, Ron. How you doing today? Yeah. Uh, I did three tours in Iraq, and uh, I was uh, 
got trained on three different jobs, came back, you know, uh, from the military and everything. And I even had a hard time finding a job, and I was out there beating the pavement and everything like that. And I joined up VFW, American Legion, and stuff like that. And some of those guys actually helped me get my job that I have today and I've been with ever since I've gotten out of the military. And I I agree with all the programs and I agree with everything that everybody is saying. Even these young kids, they go to VFW, American Legion. These guys know what they're going through. They can help them out through any sources of different ways just by talking to them or being there or talking to their families and trying to help them cope to deal with what they're dealing with to get a little bit of an understanding so that way they have a little bit more patience with them. And I do understand what everybody is talking about because, like I said, I have been there. And, Ron, there are some horrible, horrible conditions over there. Mm. I mean, you know, I spent three and a half months without a shower. I can take a, I can take a full-body shower out of a one-liter bottle of water. I mean, you just learn how to be resourceful like that, and you appreciate everything. But then when you come back and you have everything, and then you're just, like, so thankful for everything that you have, and then all of a sudden nobody really cares. Right. Okay, yeah, you, over there, you did your war thing. You did that. Okay, okay, what do you want? You know, well, what do you mean? I don't, I don't want anything. I just want to go back to a normal life. I want to be with some of my brethren. I don't care what, what branch of service you're from. If he needs help, I'm going to be there and talk to him. That's all there is to it. I don't care if it's World War II, Vietnam, or whatever like that. If I can sit there and lend an ear to help him and maybe try to put a little understanding on it and he can do the same for me, that's the, that's the best result you can actually get because they understand. And everybody understands who's been a little stint over there, understands, knows what goes on over there knows what you're dealing with i appreciate so you yeah i appreciate you calling with it tim we got a lot of calls if some of the people want to leave uh you know any comments up on the interrobang maybe we can get to some of them tomorrow i mean we've just been packed with uh calls and we're getting close to the end of the show here uh, and we could have kept on doing this for hours more here's uh allison in canada Oh, hi, um, Ron? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm just calling because I was just listening to your show on the way home. Um, can you hear me well? Cause I'm really very, very well. Nervous. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, um, I have been following the Occupy movement and everything, and in that there has been a lot of veterans now, I think after the rubber bullet thing with the one veteran that yes. is in critical condition. In Oakland. Um, a lot of veterans have been speaking out and, and walking and stuff. And there is actually, I did come across a video, I can't remember exactly how to link to it right now, but it's it discusses... Um, like, there's actually an organization, the Veterans Against the War. I don't know if you guys had talked about that before I tuned in, but they, they've grown in the past four years, and they talk about their experiences out there and, like, how it's not, like, the wars, it's not, they don't feel heroic for anything they've done out there. Like, they've, like, in Afghanistan and stuff, and Iraq, like, it's, um... It's it's something that maybe people might want to look into, and, and maybe if they're feeling upset about the feelings that they've had and things that they've done or things that they've been told to do out there, that maybe they might want to look and join to that. Or it's something that anybody might want to have a look at and see that like they're throwing their medals away, like this. 
is not what we signed up for. This is this is wrong. Thank you for calling us. Here is uh, Marcus in Nebraska. Go ahead, Marcus. Hey, I just wanted to contribute the other side of the conversation to this, which was that I was an active duty military guy in the late 90s, but I was in infantry, and I had fought for conscientious objector status once I went in about a year and a half. I was training for some special forces guys, and I got in some training that I thought was agreeable, but I thought was kind of against what humanity was about, and uh, I learned that I kind of... I would have killed anything if I needed to do it, and I realized that that's not exactly where I needed to be. And so the other side of what it is that these veterans are going through is to understand why you wanted to join. It's got to be more than just patriotic, more than just helping. And for anybody who wanted to join, you need to understand there's a very personal reason why you want to put a uniform in, go into a foreign country. And even though you may think you're doing good, you have to understand the personal cost is going to cost you to do this. So I got out with a with an honorable discharge, but I had the foresight enough to know that Whatever happens to you, Uncle Sam can't take responsibility for it. You've got to take responsibility for it for yourself. Well, we talked about this before. A lot of these guys going into this are very young, and this is their first, um, the first time they've had any adult problems, and the adult problems are massive. They're more than most Americans will ever have to deal with. They're all life and death. And, um, you know, for the people who go... Oh, when you do something like this, you just come back. I live in New York City, and after those towers went down, many, many people, it took them years just because they were, they saw it with their own eyes, or some people were close to it, and some people were just on the other side of town. And it took them years and years to deal with some of that, um, what they felt that day. So... Um, no one knows how they're going to... Just be, because it doesn't affect one person doesn't mean it's not going to affect the next person um, heavy. I wish we could go on and talk about this uh, for uh, a while. And I'm, I'm glad to hear from so many vets today. I really am. Because, quite frankly, um, most people don't think about this, and I'm going to throw myself in with that. Most people just take care of whatever they have to take care of for today. And they're unaware. Unaware. No, these headlines are horrifying. Uh, but one thing I would say, if, if there's even one person out there that's um, thinking that they can't cope, think how many veterans today that said the main thing that helps is to get involved with other people who know what you're talking about. So, uh, please take that to heart. Uh, again, thanks to everybody who called. Um, we're going to be wrapping up. You can win prizes over at theinterrobang.com today. And uh, the articles are up, as well as those Playmate things. i like to see some of the feedback on that. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Tomorrow is Friday. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody. And that's the end of my show. Donk. Satellite of love. Satellite of I've been told that you've been bold with Harry, Mark, and John. 
Wednesday to Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. Satellites on up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. For a little while I love to watch things on TV Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of Show.